Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another week of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Tom Peavy with me for the full three hours as we recap everything that happened in the weekend of sports. Of course, that includes Auburn's beatdown over Indiana in Atlanta for Holiday Hoops Giving. That's something that I was able to attend uh, as part of the media there with uh, Brooks Childress as well. Uh, so give thoughts on that game coming up in a little bit. Auburn continued to making moves on the recruiting trail and, and the transfer portal market. We'll talk a little bit about the latest on the new addition to Auburn's wide receiving core. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Ryan Williams and the news he made today and other news and nuggets for uh, the Auburn football team, as they also had a very important defensive back announce he will return to the Tigers next year. So we'll talk some Auburn football team roster news and some portal and that sort of thing. We'll also talk a little bit about this past weekend of NFL as it was another wild week there in the National Football League. Of course, we'll have your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. We'll talk a little bit about Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman this past weekend and where kind of we view him in the last several Heisman Trophy winners. And then also to conclude the show today, as always, we'll have a best and worst of the weekend. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Tom, I hope you had a great weekend, sir. How are you today? Uh, doing good. Uh, <clears throat> I don't really want to say under the weather, but I'm, I'm not quite under the weather. I've just got some of the seasonal sinus things going on You know when it – when it goes from 60 degrees to 30 degrees, back to 60, and then back to 30, and dry to wet to dry, you know, just the general weather changes have kind of got my got my system all jacked up. So if I sound a little hoarser than normal, then that's what you got going on there. But uh, great weekend of, of sports, and uh, uh, was able to go to Columbus and watch a hockey game uh, over the weekend and uh, something with that that I'll get into with the uh, best and worst of the weekend if uh, whenever we get to that point. But it was nice to get over and watch the River Dragons play some hockey. And uh, on the Auburn side of things, still keeping an eye on the recruiting and all the flip alerts and trying to figure out what's going on there with that. Uh, all the other rumor mill going around with different recruits that are committed to Auburn. Uh, it's a good thing that uh, Auburn is – that's kind of the one thing Auburn is not used to, or Auburn fans are not used to right now, is that having so many top-notch recruits to have to weed through the rumor mill of, oh, is so-and-so actually looking at, at visiting somewhere else and this, that, and the other, you know. So uh, trying to deal with that. But then uh, and then on the basketball side of things, uh, goodness gracious, what a win over Indiana. 
did not see that coming after after Auburn's last two games where they just were really poor. I really kind of thought Indiana would dominate Auburn in that game, and it was actually Auburn that dominated the Hoosiers. Um, so very surprised and uh, very very surprised, very happy. So uh, yeah, but a lot of stuff to get into, a lot, a lot of moves and shakes going on around the sports world. Absolutely. So let's start off with. Uh, what the Auburn basketball team was able to accomplish in Atlanta, Georgia on Saturday, a part of holiday hoops giving. Uh, there were two games in Atlanta. Mississippi State thumped Tulane right before the Auburn game, and me and Brooks were watching a little bit of that. And, again, we had the opportunity to go and cover cover the Auburn game, but uh, Mississippi State was playing on the same floor before. Mississippi State hung 100 points, and they were not the only SEC team to hang 100 points in that arena on Saturday, as Auburn defeated Indiana decisively, 104 to 76, and got off to a rough start. It was 22 to 10 Indiana, and it was as much a rough start as just a weirdly good start by Indiana. Indiana opened that game hitting four of their first five threes. And again, we talked on Friday a lot about this matchup and how Indiana came into the game shooting only 25 and a half percent from three. Well, after their four for five start, they returned back to normal. And the rest of the game, they went two of 12 from three, finishing six of 17 overall. So that Indiana hot start did not hold up for very long. It was then Auburn burying the three-pointers and creating a lot of offense. Tom, uh, I don't know how much of the game you saw, but uh, from what you did see, I mean, what? Highlights. Yeah, okay. Let's have get the highlights. Uh, what, uh, what stood out to you? Um. Well, so first of all, the start of the game, uh, Indiana was you know, not a three-point shooting team. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, everybody had talked about is they they had the size advantage, they had the two bigs, and they were not a very good three-point shooting team. And for them to come out and just start hitting threes all of a sudden, it was like, oh, okay, well, not not how this was supposed to go. Uh, so there's that takeaway. But Auburn didn't flinch. Auburn bared down and did what they did. And that that's the biggest takeaway – is that Auburn withstood the the and especially after what happened the, the last two games, Auburn withstood the barrage and they held they held steady and, and just kept doing playing their game and, and doing what they needed to do and and so that was good. Now on the stat side of things, this is the major major takeaway. Auburn's best player had two points. Argue, I say arguably the best player. He's the guy that was all SEC. All right. Your, your all SEC big man in the center had two points, and you still put 104 on the board. That right there is big time basketball. If, you're, if your best guy is nearly completely just shut out of the game and can't do anything, and you still put 104 on the board. And you still have two guys go for twenty four. That's that's sporty right there. Um, you know that that is the big thing. the The fact that Jalen Williams and Aiden Holloway just absolutely torched Indiana for twenty four apiece. Um, I, I mean that's impressive. Uh, Aiden Holloway was five of eight from three. Jalen was two of four from three. Uh, eight of fourteen from the field total. I mean, that's just big time, uh, absolutely big time. I mean, Denver Jones and Chad Baker Mazzara also had big games, but, you know, for Jalen Williams and Aiden Holloway to step up the way they did when, when Janai Broom is just not getting it done, 
You, you can't ever. You can't ask for more than that. Well, yeah, Jalen Williams in particular, from the standpoint of those other guys, perimeter oriented guys. Uh, Chad Baker Mazzara has interested me th- this year because I came into it expecting him to shoot the three well and then see what else he could add on top of that. It's kind of been the opposite. He has done everything really well inside of the three-point line, but he struggled with his shot a little bit on the season. And so for Broom to, as you say, have two points, but for Jalen Williams to get to his spots uh, for the tune of a really complete game, by the way, too, he also had uh, to go along with his 24 points. He had six rebounds and seven assists from, again, a, a kind of a power forward uh, position there uh, was very meaningful. And Auburn did another good job, 25 assists, on 35 made field goals. They've done a pretty good job all year long. Again, not necessarily a lot of ISO buckets for them. They have moved the ball better, and that's something that we've seen even when they were not shooting well these past couple games that gave you the hope uh, and gives many the belief that the ceiling on this team is much higher than last year's because they do move the ball so much more, and they do uh, share it. And the stat that stood out so much to me on top of all the great – because there's a lot of great shooting numbers that we'll expound upon, but – what stood out to me is that Auburn had three turnovers. Yeah. They had 25 assists, and they had three turnovers. And one of them was with a second and a half left in the game when Jalen Harper airballed a three at the last second, which became a shot clock violation. So in the normal course of play, they had two turnovers, two turnovers. which would have been a record, by the way, for Auburn basketball. So they did as good of a job as you could possibly do in the assist-to-turnover battle and the ability to hang on to the ball and that is such good news for a team that has some younger guards that does let a lot of different people handle it. Sometimes teams that let a lot of different people handle the ball, maybe that's not a great thing. Maybe there's some guys that don't handle it as well that shouldn't be handling it. But no matter who handled it, they took care of it. And so that was a really good sign to play a team that does like to bang down low a little bit uh, to be able to – again, a team that does not like to play necessarily higher-scoring games to take that great care of the ball. Now, obviously, Tom, there's also the shooting part of it, which is something that I said on Friday was it just you needed a big one because for all the sentiment and opinion that I had, that others had through the first five games or so, that, okay, this team is going to shoot it and they're going to shoot it well, to then have back-to-back like 15% and 12% three-point games – Look, then the sample size through seven games is the team was shooting 29.5% from three coming in the game. That's about the same number it was last year. So even though the ceiling was higher, the potential's there, at some point over the course of a 30-game season, you will have to start to shoot the three and actually prove that you can obtain that ceiling. Well, we saw what the ceiling was, and it's a very high and beautiful ceiling from the three-point line. 14 of 29 from three, 20 of 23 from the foul line. And only one person missed a foul shot. That was Jalen Williams. He was 6 of 9. Everybody else that shot free throws, like there was four other players that shot him, uh, were perfect. And so that kind of shows you, too, this team's free throw percentage will get bogged down because of the games that Janai Broom will shoot a lot of free throws and that sort of thing. But the rest of the team, really good foul shooting team. And so you just saw the best version of Auburn basketball. And that's a really, really great version, and it's great to prove this early in the season that that is available, that a 100-point game is on the table, a game that you hit 14 threes is on the table, a game that you only have three turnovers is on the table. Now, 
it is going to be incredibly hard to duplicate most of that. Like three turnovers again that tied the school record. That's not going to grow on trees. Uh, any any game with single digit turnovers in college basketball, I'm usually saying that is a good, usually a pretty good job of taking care of the basketball. Uh, any game that you hit double digit threes and shoot better than 35 percent from three, I'm usually that's a that's a good three point game. Oh, yeah. So they cleared those benchmarks easily. So it's not like they will do this every game, but it was a much needed like visualization of yes, the ceiling and the potential is every bit as high as you perceived it to be in the early part of the year. And they also, Tom, I'll tell you from watching the game in great detail, Auburn continues to do such a good job with their inbounds plays, both after timeout and baseline and all that stuff. Yes, they hit 14 threes, but I tell you what, there was four or five times in that game they got just easy layups out of dead ball situations. Which I mean, I'm sure Indiana was just you know, appalled by that kind of defense, but also Auburn running good stuff to get Chad Baker Mazar, for example, a wide open layup out of a timeout, uh, and that kind of stuff is something that has kind of been a theme for Bruce Pearl. But it's also really good to see because again, that requires that requires a good pass, it requires good cutting, good screening, all the little things that make good basketball teams good basketball teams. So uh, this was complete from Auburn's offense. Uh, you know, I thought that for Indiana, or from Auburn's point of view, I thought Auburn did a pretty good job defensively, even on their big guys. Now, Malik Renault, or Renew, excuse me, got his. I mean, he did have 15 points. Uh, but their other big, Kyle Ware, was 2 of 8 from the floor. So, so what if he shot some free throws? 2 of 8 from the floor from their leading scorer. So I know Janai Broom did not impact the game offensively, but he and Jalen Williams and Dylan Carwell defensively did a really good job on that kid. And so you mix all that up, I think, what was the math, 18 of 39 from two? Okay, like that's yeah. that's pretty good. But for a team that really counts on twos to hold them below 50%, then you check that box. And, again, fortunately for Auburn, Indiana's hot start did not uh, continue because, again, 22 to 10, four or five from three, every now and then even bad teams will have a good game. I mean that that that's the thing. Even bad teams from the three, some 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 point this year, Indiana will hit eight or nine threes, and the team they'll be playing will go, "What in the world? Where did that come from?" And it looked right. like that was going to be Auburn's game. Fortunately, it was not. Uh, and again, I you feel so much better about the situation now for the Tigers because I still think Indiana will hover around the NCAA tournament. Right. They've obviously got another big game against USC coming up this weekend in Neville Arena after they play the UNC Asheville game. But just important to, again, visualize the ceiling and also to get a a, a better non-conference win than what you had so far. Because Notre Dame and St. Bonaventure are just not doing it this year. Right. Yeah, no, well, I mean, yeah, those wins weren't doing it. And now you have that loss uh, at, App State, yeah. at App State. So, uh, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it, it was just big. It, coming off that loss, it, it was just big to, to, to be able to bounce back. That, that's a big thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you – you mentioned the turnovers. Uh, yeah, Auburn only turned it over three. They forced 12. Uh, the points off turnovers, 15-2. to two. Uh, Auburn won the battle in the paint, 32-30. Second chance points. This is another one. I Auburn was struggling uh, a lot uh, in the rebounding with uh, second chance points. Uh, and they they, uh, they got that one 11-8. Uh, 20-10 on fast breaks. And then the big one was the bench, 40-21. So, uh 
I mean, just an all around, uh, just an all around game uh, by Auburn. There, I mean, there's nothing. The the only thing that you that you know you wish you had was a little bit more offense from Janai Broom. But I mean, goodness gracious, when you're getting what you have, I mean, you can't really complain yeah, about that. So, no. yeah. uh, but his defensive part was was the big thing there. So, uh, it's just nice to see that when your All SEC guy is not getting the buckets, that they're the other guys are stepping up and and doing big things. And, and and yeah, and then finally the three start dropping after a couple of games where it felt like there was a cover over the rim, especially at App State game, just really felt like the the rim had turned into uh, the size of a lifesaver that you're trying to throw a basketball in, and uh, you know, fourteen of twenty nine from three, you t- you'll take that every day. Oh yeah, that's going to win you a immense amount of basketball games. Certainly know it because Auburn does other things other things well too. It's not like again. This team did win a game against Virginia Tech, not hitting really any threes at all just because of Broom having dominance. So at the end of the day, for Broom to have a two-point game, I'm fine because I know what he's capable of. Everyone's going to have a bad one every now and then. And even still, he still influenced the game, as we talked about, with his defense in 21 minutes. He has two blocks, two steals, uh, seven rebounds. So, again, he still was a presence down low, just not on the offensive end and, uh, again, rounded out and, and made things tougher for Indiana around the rim so that they were not getting to the rim at will. They did shoot a ton of free throws. But, again, uh, you can live with Auburn's defense in that game, certainly, uh, and it did not get too carefree considering when you score 100 points, sometimes the 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 inkling is to lay back a little bit on defense and just try to outscore somebody. I know that kind of happened in the North Carolina-Tennessee basketball game a couple weeks ago. That ended up like 100 to 94. Tennessee does not usually play either side of that. They don't play 90-point games. They don't give up 90 to 100 points in games. And yet just both teams just got kind of got into that track meet. Well, Auburn won this game so thoroughly, they still did a decent enough job on the defensive end. So a lot to love from Auburn's 104-76 to 76 win against Indiana. We'll have more thoughts on that as the show goes along. But for now, let's take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we will go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this beautiful Monday afternoon. I know it was not so beautiful yesterday. There were uh, a couple of uh, rough storms in the morning hours. And uh, I saw a, a tree or two down, a little bit of damage, Tom, and uh, and Borgard again. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, nothing like the last time from what I understand. But. No, no, it wasn't. But, I mean, the eerie thing, and I'm sure what was very frightening for those folks is uh, uh, some of that damage in Borgard was right in that kind of general area where Dang. the last one went through. Uh, Lee Road 11, Lee Road 39 kind of in that area uh so 
yeah. Uh, when I when I saw where Borgard Fire was at dealing with that, I was like, oh my gosh, those poor people had to had to deal with the. I'm just thinking the sounds and <clears throat> the sounds and the feelings of of that happening again right there in that kind of general area had to be terrifying. But yeah. fortunately, you know, just a you know bad storm, some trees down. Uh, not nearly as bad as what happened up in Tennessee. That right. Tennessee got yeah, Clarksville yeah. and that area up there got hit really bad. But yeah, got through it. That's that's uh, uh, kind of typical <clears throat> typical weather. People don't really think about that in the <clears throat> in the fall and the winter, but a lot of times these happen. Uh, uh, I remember back; it's been several years ago, but uh, you know, we had tornado warnings and tornado touchdowns, and the next day we had three inches of snow. <laughs> and so, you know, that's what will happen with these systems. Like what happened this weekend, you'll have uh, moisture coming up from the Gulf, warm moist air coming up from the Gulf with rain. And then it wraps around with the jet stream coming down from the north and the west. And when they meet, you get the bad weather. But then that rain's meeting that cold air on the other side, and you end up getting snow. So you'll have severe weather one day and snow the next. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, uh, that to say the least. Definitely thinking about those impacted yesterday storms, again, especially in, uh, in Tennessee, as Tom said, where there was – some loss of life and, again, immense damage in, in that community. 334-887-3401 locally, toll-free, one 888 9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Today we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you today? I'm good at War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about the uh, hoops giving. I actually did catch a a lot of hoops action over the weekend as well, and I am very, very happy that the Auburn Tigers actually came out with a huge win against the uh, Indiana Hoosiers. I mean, that was a really good game as well. Yeah, absolutely. Auburn uh, was uh, down a little bit early, as we talked about, but then every, every moment after that 22-10 to 10 deficit, Auburn was awesome, uh, and they, they really dominated the game. They shot the ball well, played pretty good defense, and Definitely was uh, as good as you can do if you're Auburn. Yes, as well, because I know uh, this coming up Wednesday, I'm just going to see how Auburn is going to do at home. If we, I, I know we have a home game in Neville Arena, so I, I'm just going to see how we're going to hold out with this new team that Auburn has never played before. Um, this is a new Auburn team that I've never seen uh, play before, so this will be the team that I'm going to be looking at for the 2024-2025 March Madness season. So they have to keep it up and uh, see what see what they are going to, you know, keep me on my edge of my seat this Wednesday as well. Yeah, this this Wednesday game will be played up in Huntsville against UNC Asheville. It'll be a neutral site game uh, up there in, in the Rocket City, but uh, Sunday's game against USC for Auburn will be back in Neville Arena. Yeah, because I'm actually going to be watching this game for Wednesday and then Sunday, uh, Sunday's game when we play in Neville Arena. This is going to be a really tough game uh, to play against USC because I did see USC over the weekend and uh, seeing Bronny James, uh, the the former son of uh, of NBA star LeBron James. He's really doing a really good job with USC. So. I don't know how they're going to stop Barney James this Sunday. So he's really he's really out there with with a lot of um, with a lot of NBA talent that he has, and he's showing it very well for USC as well. Yeah, I mean he has not been disowned, so he is still the son of uh, LeBron James, and uh, you know it was good to see him debut uh, for sure after the medical scare he had last year. 
Uh, played about 18 minutes and, and hit a hit a three, had a block shot. But uh, USC did ultimately lose that game to Long Beach State. So the Trojans have been struggling a little bit, but it will be a spectacle to see Bronny James and Neville Arena this weekend. Yes, as well. And then I'm going to actually uh, keep on with the Auburn basketball. I'm actually going to be looking at the women's side of Auburn. And uh, they're actually going to be playing a – a small team, but this one is called Battle of I-85, so this is going to be in Neville Arena, so they're going to be playing uh, Alabama State. So I'm looking at Alabama State. They're not going to win this this game on the road uh, from Montgomery. So Auburn, the Lady Tigers have to just slow them down and actually win this game for me as well. Yeah, Auburn women's basketball have been playing pretty well as of late, up to, I believe, 7-2. and two on the season and has beaten a couple of in-state teams already. I know they beat uh, UAB last weekend or two weekends ago and Mm -hmm. uh, been playing pretty good basketball. So, yeah, they they figured to be be able to beat Alabama State. Yeah, because that's – this is actually this is why I actually say it's the battle of I eighty five. So it's right up the road from Auburn. So I mean, this is going to be uh, my hometown team coming in from Montgomery. So I'm not going to root for Alabama State. I'm actually staying with my hometown team of the Auburn Tigers and uh, seeing how they're going to how they're going to actually uh, give me this huge win as well. And uh, maybe I'll get to see them uh, sometime real soon. Uh, maybe next. Year in 2024 maybe so but uh certainly glad you're rooting for auburn what else is on your mind today well i'm actually going to be looking at these last two games of week 14 and uh seeing who's actually going to stand on top i know that the miami dolphins they're going to look good with tyree kill and um i'm just going to see how this is going to play out for me before the uh final stretch of week 15 and uh the nfl pre uh the nfl postseason of the um, playoffs would be on uh, week 17 and 18 as well. So I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed and see if I can make that, uh, that fantasy uh, playoff push as well. So I'm, I'm actually doing good in my fantasy league. I haven't lost any games yet, but I'm just going to see how, how uh, Tyreek Hill is going to give me some uh, good uh, fantasy points this time around. And with, uh, Anderson calls and to give me some good kicks for tonight's game as well. So I'm going to be watching these two games uh, really good and very closely as well. Well, that's a great feeling to be undefeated in fantasy. Hopefully that will continue for you. Yes, as well, because I know um, this coming up Sunday, I know it's going to be kind of hard for my Cowboys because we just came off of a big win over the weekend against the Philadelphia Eagles, 33 the 33 to 13, just like I predicted last week, and I actually and I actually did predict that game, and it actually did came true for that for my Cowboys team to actually get a win at home in uh, AT&T Stadium as well. Yeah, that was a big win for Dallas, no doubt about it. They've now tied up Philadelphia in the standings, and the Cowboys now have a chance to win the division. Philadelphia still technically uh, would would hold their own destiny. So if Philly wins out, they'd still win it, but. Uh, that was a huge win for Dallas and certainly feel like they can compete with anyone now in the NFC. Yes, as well, because I've been hearing a lot about the Kansas City Chiefs and their huge loss against the Buffalo Bills. And I was watching that game, and there was some kind of 
you know, weird plays being put in Patrick Mahomes' favor. So I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna stand up uh, this Sunday against the New England Patriots. I'm not quite sure if they're gonna win. So I'm just gonna see what the New England Patriots are gonna do this time around with Kansas City. Yeah, the Patriots are just not very good this year, so I'd be absolutely shocked if, if Kansas City does not win. New England is actually already eliminated from playoff uh, from the playoff picture. They're only three and ten on the year, so I know they did beat Pittsburgh last week. But if Kansas City loses to New England, Kansas City's got some huge issues. Yes, as well because I've um, I've been trying to see who's gonna who's in the playoff hunt for the playoff race, and I'm I'm actually going to eliminate the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to eliminate the uh, uh, not the Denver Broncos because they've been doing really good. I might take out the um, Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers, just to name those three, out of the playoff run as well. Yeah, the Eagles will still be making the playoffs in some capacity. They might even still win the division. So they'll, they'll make the playoffs. They're still 10-3. and three on the year Steelers may may miss it that that is going to be a tough tough wild card position for them uh at seven and six so there's a bunch of teams in the AFC hovering around that seven and six number so hard to tell on them but but certainly some of these teams Kansas City still leading their division so some of these teams while they have been struggling as of late still have good overall records on the year Yes, as well. And then with the NBA season starting tonight, I'm actually going to see my Dallas Mavericks take on the 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 uh, Grizzlies, the the um, Memphis Grizzlies. So I'm just going to see how they're going to do tonight, and uh, seeing if if there's going to be any changes due to uh, key injuries. So I'm just going to see how my Dallas Mavericks will do tonight as well. And then Tuesday we have a huge matchup um, at home with the Los Angeles Lakers. So that's going to be um, a huge, huge matchup and a, and a NBA Finals matchup that I would like to see uh, if if Dallas actually makes a, a huge turnaround this year. Yeah, the Kyrie Irving injury was uh, potentially devastating, although it looks like he's going to escape with just a minor injury after getting his uh, leg stomped on or landed on, excuse me. So, uh, fortunate to not be worse than it is, but he probably will miss some time here. But yeah, Dallas has been playing well. Luke has been awesome, and they're they're a very fun team to watch for, for for sure. Excuse me, James. What else do you have on your mind before we have to let you go today? Well, I actually have some uh, some major league baseball news on uh, Shohei Otani. He just got traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers for seven million dollars worth on his salary cap. So I'm just going to see how he's going to do when the um, baseball season starts in 2024 as well. And maybe it could be uh, the Dodgers' uh, year to actually make it to the uh, World Series with my uh, Texas Rangers again in 2024. Yes, he is an L.A. Dodger now. However, that figure was $700 million Mm -hmm. uh, over the course of 10 years. So a, a very large contract, largest contract in baseball history. Well, I'm going to let you all go, and I might have some um, bowl football uh, bowl mini and trivia for tomorrow as well. All right, and hey, James, real quickly, we're about to have uh, Matt on the line too. Uh, did you have any other questions or anything about his swimming or about his baseball or anything? Um, the only thing that I have to have for my best friend, uh, Matt, is actually just, um, just actually um, keep – 
keep a motivational um, positive, uh, just keep a positive mindset when he's uh, swimming or when he's playing baseball as well. And um, everything is going to be all right. All right. Well, uh, James, we'll, uh, we appreciate the phone call today. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And with that, we go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? War Eagle! War Eagle. Hi, Tom. What's up? You guess your girlfriend's at work and she can't come. That is correct. But she owes us $1,000. All right. And 20 cents. Oh, and 20 cents. Okay. Inflation. Yeah. Hey, so, like, uh, I didn't quite understand. Can you guys repeat the questions that James was talking talking about? Uh, he didn't really have a question. He just said that uh, he hoped that you would continue to uh, find strength and motivation whenever you were sw- uh, swimming and, and, and playing baseball and just be able to keep uh, keep being positive and keep being motivated. Well, <laughs> James, if you're listening, um, I will try my best on doing that. But uh, I was trying to do the 100. I had my first swimming practice Wednesday. Uh, I was trying to do the 100, and I felt like a little pinch. And my side, so uh, we were all tired. We were, like, all sore, and it was our first practice. But uh, I will try my best on, on swimming and, and, um, and baseball uh, and stuff. So, but uh, I will try my best and stuff. That, but, hey, what do you guys think about the uh, – uh, James, by the way, thank you. And uh, if you have any questions on swimming tomorrow, what events I'm doing is swimming, I'll answer when, next Monday and stuff. So, Hey, what do you guys think about the game that Auburn played? Uh, especially KD, I'm telling you. KD, I'm telling you, he played a good game against Indiana. And there were uh, – the Ron Brown was getting pushed by one of uh, Indiana's players, and they were calling fouls on the Ron Brown and the Indiana player. They didn't call that many fouls on him, but Brown got pushed a lot. And so what do you guys think about that? Well, I think Auburn played a, a great game, and uh, they they clearly played their best game of the season. Uh, they they did a, a dominant job offensively. They they played pretty well defensively too, and uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too concerned with the foul problems. I know that uh, Indiana shot a few more free throws, but again, they they're going to shoot free throws as a team that takes mostly twos. I, I I did not think there was any big discrepancy in the officiating or anything like that. So. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought that uh, Auburn just o- – overall, they dominated the game uh, and they were in control of it. Yeah. Well, hey, Tom, before I ask you the same question, what uh, first I want to ask you, what do you guys think about Auburn in a bowl game and who are they playing again? Is Auburn a favor in that game? Yeah, Auburn will be playing in the uh, Music City Bowl there in Nashville. And they'll be playing Maryland out of the uh, Big Big Ten, so that, that's uh, that's their matchup there on the thirtieth. And right now, uh, Auburn is favored by two and a half points, so pretty pretty close spread there. So, so hey Tom, so hey Tom, you think Auburn can score like the same amount of points that Bama scored against Auburn, or you think it'd be like in the thirties or twenties? Uh, no, I mean, I, th- I think Auburn has that potential to score in the upper 20s to 30s. Uh, I, I think they can do that. So, so, hey, but what, what do you think about – you think Auburn – I'm sorry about uh, 
that a Mississippi State player might come to Auburn for a transfer portal, and I heard that the Duke quarterback is going to go to Notre Dame. So do you think Auburn would probably be good against a player from Alabama or wide receiver from Mississippi State? And what do you think about the Duke quarterback going to Notre Dame? Now, also, what, also before you do that, I don't know trivia, but what do you guys think about the Navy-Army game? Yeah, that that Army Navy game was interesting, right right down to the wire. Uh, I was pulling for Navy, and they weren't able to get it done. They uh, they called forward progress on a, on on the play, which you know a little controversial, but yeah, Army won that one. Uh, all, as far as transfer portal, Auburn's looking all over for the transfer portal, and uh, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, Riley Leonard is the quarterback from Duke, and I think everybody has thought that he was going to Notre Dame, so that wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, still not sure if Auburn's going to go the quarterback route in the transfer portal or not. Um, they apparently are still one of the finalists for Cam Ward from Washington State, at least according to a couple reports I've seen. And that would be big time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Auburn's looking all over the place right now. They're trying to flip some guys that are currently committed to for 2024. And, um, and a big one has now reclassified for the 2024 class, so he's eligible to sign this year, and they're going to try to flip him from Alabama. So, yeah, Auburn's hard, Auburn's hard at work right now. Hey, Ryan, do you guys think that Robbie Ashford will still be at Auburn? Do you think he'll be a quarterback, or do you think they'll probably put a wide receiver? Yeah, he. I don't know if he'll remain in Auburn or not. I think more people than not believe he'll be moving on, and I definitely think if he's back, he, uh, he'll he not contend for the starting quarterback job. So I, I don't know if that will constitute a, a position move or – He'll just be a second or third string quarterback, but yeah. uh, I don't think he has a, a lot of great options uh, with, with Auburn. Well, hey, can I do some trivia? Yeah, we can give you one question, Matt. We can give you more, one question. We get, just got more callers coming up too. Okay. All right, I do like uh, college, college, college trivia. Uh, like college football? Yeah, or like a bowl game or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so Jaden Daniels won the Heisman Trophy this weekend from LSU. Who was the last LSU player to win the Heisman Trophy? That had to be the one from uh, Ohio State. The transfer from Ohio State, yeah, the quarterback of the Bengals right now. Yeah, the one. Yeah, the one. The last. You said the last player that won. Yes. It had to be the wide receiver from Ohio State. Not well. He's not a wide receiver. He's quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's the one. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Joe. Joe. Uh, Joe. Uh, well, I said it's not, it's not an M. Uh, Starts with a B. A B. B. Yep. I know. Didn't his dad? Didn't his dad play? Uh, not to my Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. There you go. My caregiver gave me the name, so. <laughs> yeah, it's tough sometimes. Give me, give me my caregiver credit. He helped me out. So. Well, well, hey, it could be a team sport too. Hey, well, my caregiver. Hey, let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you guys a question. Okay, here, here, here's a true question for you guys. Let me get another caller. You know, I'll let you guys go. Where did my caregiver and his brother play college ball, uh, football at? What what college do they play football at? Oh, uh, what what state is it in? It's in it's in Montgomery. 
Oh. Alabama State. Yep, and he he played he played he played offensive line. He played offensive line, and your brother played his brother played defensive line. Oh, okay for the for the Hornets. Yeah, so they're like. His like character's name is Derek Baker and and like his brother's name is T Bone, but his brother's a big Alabama fan. Ah, okay. Well that's pretty cool they played football at Alabama State then. Go Hornets. Yeah. But hey, hey Tom, maybe you can get your girlfriend on maybe the following sometimes and stuff like that. But you behave but you guys get JJ and definitely get get a Cadillac and the, my man Devon Reed on the show sometime. We will certainly try. Uh, hey Tom, behave. I'll try to. Hey, and hey, what's your chair real quick? Ready? Five, four, four three, three, two, two one. one. War, War Eagle. Eagle. Hey, hey. Bama. We're going to be guys next year. Booyah. Booyah. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Matt. We appreciate that phone call. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take one more time out. Back to wrap up hour number one right after this. Attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. What? My name is. My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. Still ahead throughout the period of the show. Got to update you on all things Auburn football roster as there is a new departure to tell you about, a new arrival to tell you about, a returnee to tell you about, and other portal rumblings and recruit rumblings. So that is something that will definitely be coming up uh, in the 4 and 5 o'clock hour today, as well as best and worst of the weekend towards the end of the show and a little bit about the Heisman Trophy. I have, Tom, like three or four candidates for worst of the weekend, no. which makes it sound like it was a terrible weekend. It was actually a really good weekend. I enjoyed my weekend. But I, I have to find a way to get all these out, so I'm going to get kind of a one that's not my real worst out, but go ahead and, and talk about it, because this is a topic in the sports world right now, Right. with five minutes left to go in the hour, is the, the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday uh, at the end of the game. Did you see what happened on one of the last plays of the game? The uh, the offensive offsides? Yes, with Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney, yeah. And then, and then Pat Mahomes just yes. absolutely lost his mind. yes. And I have a huge problem with this because we all talk about officiating and how to handle poor officiating or a poor moment or a poor call, whatever. And, and I am certainly, you know, I get on this show and become more diplomatic, but in the moment I certainly uh, have all kinds of choice things to say, as I'm sure many of us do. Uh, but 
what's really getting me about this is this is a really obvious thing. And like you could just look at the line of scrimmage and say, yeah, offside as a matter of fact, yeah. And yet he's so thoroughly mad at it. Like he so thoroughly thinks that they got cheated on a call that's not really much of a judgment. It's not like a 50-50 pass interference or something like that. It's like look at the screen. The foot and the helmet are lined up off sides. And and his point that he's trying to make is, oh, well, you know, usually – the refs will warn you and Which stuff like do. that. They do that. But it's not required. Right. And if Kadarius Tony is not going to look and ask, then the ref, it's not the ref's responsibility to yell 30 yards across the field, hey, you're not on sides. Right. That's not your responsibility. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that, that's, that is not a ref's responsibility to do that. And so he was like, uh, and then the second part of it is, he said, oh, and it didn't really influence the play. It doesn't matter if things influence plays or not. There's there's things that happen on all the time that don't really influence directly the play. There's holds sometimes that take place 30 yards away from where the ball carrier is and, yeah. and all kinds of things. That has nothing to do with it. This is – I mean, I, I don't have strong opinions. I'm still pretty neutral in my homes overall. But I think this is patently a really bad look. Like, this is not complaining over something that's justified worth this much complaint. You, did you see the video of him going up to Josh Allen afterwards? And I, I can't tell what Allen says, but he's like, yeah, Well, Allen had his mouth covered, but I mean, there was enough of a mic to where, yeah, you, you heard hear, what Mahomes said. Yeah, he says, uh, Worst effing call I've ever seen, or something like that. Hey, good game, bro. Oh, worst blank call I've ever seen. That's. Yeah. What what in the war for again for a call that was correct? Yeah, <laughs> I mean again we we you could debate so many calls in this sport and Kansas City was victim to a, a a much worse call the week before against Green Bay a no call they were the beneficiaries in the Super Bowl remember we debated on this show as I'm sure every sports talk show did for a week last February about the hold, no hold in the in the Philadelphia and Kansas City Super Bowl. And you see kids you see Mahomes going up barking, I, I need that call. That's a that's a hold. That thank you, thank you. When he also said, I don't like the refs to influence the game like that <laughs> when he was defending his own call. Yeah. Penalties for thee, but not for me. And I just I have been I've been pretty irked by this. I just don't think this is at all the 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 space and the moment and the call to be barking up this kind of storm and from this guy who many believe and I I I think there's merit but I'm not ready to go on that train but many believe gets favorable officiating anyway yeah I mean again like I said the Super Bowl is definitely a controversial one there have been plenty of other roughing the passer calls etc that some stars get some stars don't. Like, again, this is not the guy, this is not the time, and this is not the place, and this is not the call to be going all in on the officiating for. And, again, as much as we we like to go in from time to time and question it and that sort of thing, I think that Mahomes is just way off on on, on this one. Uh, And so that that was – I have now aired that grievance, so that will not be in my worst weekend. There's still a couple other for me to pull on, but – I just thought it was strange. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, 
Kadarius Tony's got to be—he's got to be aware of that. I mean, he's got to be able to look down the line and realize that if if I'm not if I'm not right there, then I'm dangerously close to it, and maybe scoop myself back a little bit. I mean, you can tell if you if you're just paying attention. If you look down the line of scrimmage, you can tell. You don't have to rely on the on the official to tell you to scoot back. Which, yeah, some officials will tell you that, but yeah, it's that's not their job. You can tell that. If you're paying attention, you can tell if you're offsides or not, and you can scoot yourself back a little bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that was on Kadarius Tony for, for not being spatially aware of what was going on around him. Um, st- uh, awful because it negated a heck of a play. Uh, one of the best plays that yeah. you'll ever see uh, in football. Uh, a pass to uh, Travis Kelsey, who starts running down the field and turns around, and throws a lateral back for a game. What yeah, would have been a to game? Tony. Back to Tony. That's right. Yeah. That was to Tony for what would have been a game-winning touchdown with a minute and something left. Um, yeah. Oh, I when I saw the play happen, I just I was like, oh my gosh! Yeah. I was like, what an incredible play! And then I saw the flag and I thought, oh well, it was like, what is this going to be about? I I was expecting the flag was going to be something else, not that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and another comical thing as we had to break too is I know you I know it's policed and I know the foul is depending on where you line up and uh, as it pertains to the center and to the football right right. But also you just look at the still image and he's like two and a half yards ahead of the left tackle. Yeah, like both tackles because that's common. The tackles try and get as much off the ball as they can without being illegal. Uh, and they're allowed some grace in that. But just the premise of the receiver being nearly three yards ahead of an offensive lineman who has to also be on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> that that is that is again a, a hilarious picture to get just all this stemming from I can't believe this is the thing that Mahomes is planting his flag on mad about. Anyway, that is how the first hour will end. Coming up in hour number two, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And again, we'll get into everything going on transfer portal and recruiting-wise. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon, getting ready to turn into evening. And with you for the full three hours today. Appreciate everyone for tuning in on this Monday. With that, let's go 
to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line to open up hour number two, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up in the second hour, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? I am feeling very good for a Monday afternoon, guys. Thanks for asking. And how are you guys doing this afternoon? Doing well. Yeah, this is the best Monday feeling for Auburn fans in, in several weeks, to be honest with you. It's a very, very good day. I mean, and not only for Auburn fans, but for yourself, who's a Tampa Bay fan, you came out a winner. Yeah, that was a uh, very important game. And uh, if they had lost, they would have been out of it. They Now that they are they won, they're technically tied for first. So, uh, yeah, that, that again, the sports went well for me pretty much this weekend. All right. Uh, I'm, I've got a list of war dams. So if you'll just bear with me. Uh, first, war dam to the entire basketball team for the 104-76 win. Because uh, i got to tell you guys, it wasn't looking good for me. I was about to hit some uh, some hard drinking when it was 22 to 10. I said, oh, my God, here we go. Yeah, yeah. no, I was I was nervous about it for sure, too. I mean, when you see Indiana make those first few few three-pointers, you say, is this going to be their their magical day because every, every team has one, but then they, they cooled off mightily from three. Yeah, thankfully, because I read the stats, and uh, you know, I think you even mentioned, Ryan, before – uh, on Friday, that, we did. You know, they were not one of the uh, the best uh, three. Uh, in fact, that they were non-existent three-point shooting. Almost, I said, "Are you serious? <laughs> They're going to do this today?" Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, they did cool off though. But yeah, no. It, the first few shots were uh, were very concerning. So, uh, on my list of Wardam, Wardam to Jalen Williams, and Wardam to Aiden Holloway. He got freshman of the week in the yes. SEC, and Jalen Williams got the offensive or no, no player of the week, right? Yes, sir. All right, so guys, now you were at the, the game, Ryan, right? Yes, I was. Brooks. Yeah. So I was reading all kind of conflicting information. So I, I want to hear the accurate uh, from you. What was the turnout for Auburn fans? Because I was reading from people blogging saying, "Oh my God, it's four to one by Indiana fans," and Atlanta was one of their biggest uh, uh, alumni base. I said, "Really?" So what was the turnout, guys, for Auburn versus uh, Indiana fans? Yeah, I, I think my my educated guess was about sixty forty in favor of Indiana fans. There there were more Indiana fans there, absolutely. Uh, now Auburn's fans, they're I, I know I'm going to sound technical here. Now their per person noise making was was on par better than Indiana's because they were very loud. And obviously, after that opening ten minutes or so, I mean Auburn took control of the game and therefore their fans uh, got to make all the noise. But yeah, no walking around that arena. There was more red than orange and blue, and uh, I would estimate it, again, rough estimate, about 60-40. Well, would you attribute that or not, uh, some of that, uh, both turn up on, on Auburn's side due to graduation being on Saturday? Uh, maybe. I, I think more than anything is people got to understand about college basketball. Indiana is a national brand, and they are a brand that does not operate very near here. And so if you are an Indiana fan – residing in Alabama or Georgia or North Florida or South Carolina. I even heard there was an Indiana beat writer sitting next to me, and someone introduced himself said he lived in Memphis that came to that game. Uh, this is your chance to see Indiana basketball. And so I, and I'll, I'll give you one example, Steve, is I'm a huge North Carolina fan, right? Well, every single time they come down to Atlanta, and this is and North Carolina is way closer than Indiana. Every time they come to Georgia Tech and Atlanta, I consider I look at ticket prices to try and go to that game because that's my chance to see 
North Carolina. And so if you're an Indiana basketball fan, of which still has a huge brand very very close to Carolina's, then again, they're up I mean, they're up in Bloomington. That's nowhere near here. So to be able to compete an hour or two, if you're in Alabama, you're in Georgia or somewhere around, to be able to see Indiana, that's your chance to do that. So I think that came into uh, a big play because again, I think there's a lot of southern uh, southern guy or southern people that were Indiana fans that just don't have the opportunity for them to come come nearby very often. Okay, and then I read someone uh, posted on there that I don't know if it was you know, factual or not that Atlanta is their second biggest hub for uh, for Indiana uh, alumni. I didn't I didn't know that. Were you aware of that? No, I, I was not aware of that either. But if that's true, then that makes it all the more reason why that why it was the way it was. All right. Well, my only takeaway from that game, guys and I hope it's a correct one, is that I just saw the potential and probably the best performance uh, uh, of this team that I could have ever expected. And if they, I know it's unrealistic, but they can come anywhere close to that consistently during the season, then we make it to the Final Four. Well, I, I, again, I think that they, I don't know. How, I, I want to see it against a better team, how it matches up, because I know, that Indiana will probably be a tournament team. I'm not going to marry them into the NCAA tournament. I mean, they do have some issues. They, they won their first couple Big Ten games, so I think that's a good sign for them ending up in the NCAA tournament, and they were last year. But I, I, I would wait for Auburn to play a true battle test to top 25 team, and that's probably not going to come until conference play when they play a Kentucky or a Tennessee or somebody like that. But, you know, I do think that the ceiling is very high. Again, I think that the offense in particular, their ceiling, I mean, you just saw it, a 100-point game uh, that they, they, they got to 100 there in 37, 38 minutes. I mean, again, that that is very high. So I, I don't like to label, and I and this is just me personally, I don't love labeling too. I know everybody cares about it, but I don't love labeling how deep into a tournament teams can get because tournament – these these NCAA basketball tournaments were so wild that again you can be a top four team and be out in the round of thirty two. I mean that that's that's the nature I of it. That. But uh, I agree. But but that offense certainly would give you the ability to think, hey, that would line up well in a tournament if they get hot because if they're hitting double digit threes on top of what they do have down low with Jalen Williams and Janai Broom, that's a team that can go far. So I agree that. It is a team that if they can do that and that's their ceiling, it would bode well for March. Uh, but, I, again, I do want to see them play some more some more top 25-level teams. And the reason I'm even going uh, that bold in my prediction, I'm bad at predictions apparently, uh, is because we did that. That means the team scored that many points without Janai Broom scoring what he has been doing 20 to 30 points. Well, I again, I would say that no college player is going to average 25, 30 points at a big big school like this. So He only scored two points. Well, I, I understand he was way below his average, but I'm saying that uh, you're going to have a situation where uh, he's going to end up averaging 15, 16 points a game. So, I say, so, sure, he could get to that 15, but then there's going to be guys that scored more than their average. Like, Jalen Williams is not going to average 24 points a game. So, it all – it all kind of evens out somewhat. Obviously, this was an explosion of performance, but I would not look at it and say that, oh, well, they can then score 20 or 25 more in this situation because Broom can score 25. If he's scoring 25, then someone that scored in the, in the teens or 20s, they're probably not getting theirs. So, look, 104 points, maybe they get to 110 or something, but – 
hundred and four is still a hell of a ceiling. There's not not every team in college basketball can do that, but but oftentimes somebody will take a, a back seat production wise when when you're shooting this well or when the team's scoring this much. Fair enough. Uh, and staying with the basketball team, guys, uh, have you seen Kim Palm's rankings of uh, as of today of the uh, the basketball teams? I know Auburn moved up. I didn't see exact. Was it thirteenth or something like that? I, I didn't. Eleventh. Eleventh. Okay. Right. And what I'm just now tell me if you can me about Ken Palm. I know he's uh, you know one of the more reliable uh, evaluators and I guess prognosticators. Do you call him prognosticator? I would say more of an evaluator uh, because he he takes what's already. I mean, I guess he he projects out too, but I. He he does advanced analytics on based off the results that have already occurred and translates that into where teams rank. Well, I was going to ask you how how good is he or how uh, accurate is he when it comes to these you know rankings when it comes down to the NCAA uh, tournament seedings um, and their rankings. And I don't because I dismiss the AP's people, but how good is he at that, Grace? Historically, uh, I, I don't know. I don't have a historical backing for him to be able to give you a number and say this is how accurate he is. But I know that he is respected, and I know that some people in the AP poll directly vote based off what Kim Palm rankings are. That that's why, if you'll remember, when Auburn was number one, there was a guy that worked out of St. Louis or somewhere that kept ranking Auburn number seven or eight, something like that. And he was going off of Ken Palm rankings, who did not have Auburn as high at that time. So uh, some people almost religiously use it, and some people say it's too analytical and it's not, you know, it's it's too numbers based, and there needs to be more of the human element, the momentum element, and that sort of thing on it. But I, in general, he is well respected. Yeah, I'm looking at these categories. He's got adjustments uh, for offense, defense. He's got yeah, he's. In, he has a category for luck. Right, which, again, I, I know he's got his way of defining it, but others might have different ways of defining luck. So, again, that, again, there's a lot that goes into it. That's why he's respected. But as with anything in this world, not every person will agree. Uh, will agree. So, I, again, I, I, I like him fine. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. Some really love him and some quote him and use him a lot. Uh, I, I think there are far worse ways to judge basketball than how Ken Palm joins it, uh, does it. And I guess I was equally just pleasantly surprised that you know, we haven't been ranked by the AP people uh, at all, yet now he has his number 11. And there's only one other one SEC team that's ranked above us, and they're in the top 10, that's Tennessee. Right. And, and look, I would say that I, I think that if Auburn had beaten App State, they would have been ranked by everybody. Uh, that that's just a loss that some are going to view in, in a certain way at Auburn. Again, and you could say there shouldn't be preseason polls, and that's fine too. But when you're not ranked in the preseason and you are seven and two, uh, and you don't have any top twenty-five wins, I certainly understand why Auburn's not ranked. Again, the analytics like Ken Palm really, really love Auburn. That's good. If if that turns out, Auburn will keep winning. They will be ranked. But I certainly understand why Auburn is is not ranked right now. And of course. You know, I, I guess as much as I hated, we you know, should have lost to Baylor. Baylor, he has them ranked number seven. So if they keep their their ranking that high, that helps Auburn. And if I was, I was going to ask you guys, because I've been looking, now, like I can't uh, find it. How do I find out what are uh, the quad one, quad two, quad three, four games uh, on Auburn's schedule? The teams. Where where do I need to go to find that information? 
Uh, in the past, I've been able to just go and look at an NCAA net ranking. Uh, that I, I believe, if I remember uh, correctly, I, I think that they usually flesh that out uh, on the net ranking site, and that's done through the NCAA. Uh, I'll, okay. du- I'll double their website. Yeah, okay. yeah, it is. It, I, I can verify they're still doing it. It's in, just NCAA.com. Just search NCAA net rankings. They'll have the net rankings, and then if you slide over, they'll show you uh, quad one, quad two, quad three, and quad four results thus far. Okay. Uh, the game we, we won, of course, Saturday, is that going to be a quad two win? That would likely be quad one since it's on a neutral floor. And, of course, those those will always change. So I do want to caution you there that, again, it's because it's where – these teams are ranked. You know, they have that formula one for 30 at home right. and one through 50 neutral, one through 75 or 100 on the road. I can't remember exactly which. And so they're always subject to, to change. They are a little slow to update them. So uh, they uh, Auburn right now, I guess it is put in there, Auburn's 22nd in the net ranking uh, for reference. Uh, and I'm looking for Indiana. Uh, so maybe Indiana's not a quad one right now Auburn's quad one rank record uh is oh and two so yeah I guess they're counting that as a quad two right now but but again oh. I could I could say that the other way and say Indiana might get back into a top 50 position and that might become quad one at some point if Indiana plays well and by okay. the way I, I'll tell you I'm sorry I keep adding if Indiana ends up being an NCAA tournament team it's not going to be because they're 15 and 16 and then win the big 10 tournament they'll have to be a bubble team that gets in, and bubble teams always usually have a top 30 or 40 net ranking. So uh, if Indiana ends up being a decent team, they'll be a quad one win. If they're not that good, then it won't be. Okay. All right, moving on, guys. I know you're going to, hopefully you're going to do the, your best and worst of the weekend, right? In yes, sports. sir. Okay. I'm going to go for whatever's worth for my worst in sports weekend. All right. Okay. Maybe on your list. Uh, I sure this is the number one to be worst on the list for me. NFL, I didn't watch a game. I watched the, the last two uh, minutes of it. I said, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? And it was the three-to-nothing game uh-huh. between the Raiders and the Vikings. And, the Vikings. and it took, what, uh, almost the last two minutes of the game before anyone could even score? Yep. Uh, I, 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 just, I mean, to me, that's incredible that an NFL team, uh, I mean, I kept seeing I kept seeing the update, zero, 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 zero. I said, what is happening? You know, is it fumbles? What? So I, I didn't know how. Uh, what? I mean, was it great defense or just crappy offenses? I think more crappy offense because there, there is no defense in that league or any football league that can truly shut out a good team anymore. That, that's just not how how the sport operates. Uh, what defines as great defense has changed, and it's slid up in points per game allowed and that sort of thing. And I can tell you with the Raiders who have Aiden O'Connell at quarterback and have had offensive issues all year, and the Vikings who, although it's a nice story, Josh Dobbs, in my opinion, is not a starting NFL quarterback. He is a backup. I mean, you did not have the quarterback play. You obviously had much missed force, and I think Minnesota did miss a field goal earlier in the game. Uh, so, but that, I mean, it's, that's just very poor offensive football, those teams and those teams are fine, but they're, they're not, no one, when you think elite defense in the league is like, oh yeah, Minnesota's defense, top five defense or Vegas's defense, top five defense. So that, that was way more on, on offense and ineptitude. Okay. So I, cause I don't know how good these teams are. I said, wow, 
either somebody's got a heck of defenses that I know about or these people are really inept. Yeah, okay. it's, it's more of that. Now, uh, sticking with NFL real quickly, I'm surprised because I heard James, he didn't mention his Cowboys and what they did. No, he did. He said, well, he said he got the prediction right. But, yeah, no, he mentioned the Cowboys, yeah. Did he mention their kicker? He did not mention Aubrey, no. How about that? They made NFL history. He's the first kicker, I'm reading this from Reach Report, to hit two field goals from 59-plus yards out in the same game. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Never been done before. He kicked one from 60 yards and one from 59 yards. So I said, wow, that's incredible. Yes, it is. And sticking with the incredible categories, I thought I was through seeing uh, money being just thrown around. But are you kidding me? A 10-year, $700 million deal for, is it Otani? Is that his name? Yep, Shohei Otani. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and I'm thinking, not only is that astounding, but what kind of wealth, guys, must this owner or these owners have to just pay that much money for one player? A lot. I mean, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. That's another statement. A lot. Yeah. I mean, well, and also true. I mean, obviously, it's going to be. Pre- I know it's still a lot. I'm not saying it's not, but obviously, that's not being paid in one year. It's being paid. I know. Actually, a year. Yeah, so it's $70 million a year, but actually I was reading into it. They're going to have, apparently, and it's not revealed how much, a lot of it in deferrals, which means we could, we could I know he's way better than Bobby Bonilla, but we could have another Bobby Bonilla situation where Otani is making money for like 20 years after he retires uh, because they, they don't want to pay it all uh, in the for, for the how it's going to count against the salary cap and, and luxury tax and all that. They want to defer some of those payments out, and Otani oh. agreed to that. So that okay. that won't all come to him in ten years. That'll probably be over twenty or thirty years, if I had to guess. Okay, so this far as my, my, my PayPal option account payment, I can just uh, pay it over uh, a number of uh, payments, then, right? <laughs> Only if if you and your card issuer agree to that. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Okay. All right. Now the highest one, guys. Were you surprised or not that Jaden Daniels got it? Nope, was no, not surprised. I think that's who we picked, and yep. we'll get into it in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, the voting was pretty close. I was interested that Penix did pass Knicks for second, but I think that Oregon-Washington game uh, in the Pac-12 title game meant a lot to people. Okay, well, uh, okay, I'm curious that you said it's pretty close. I'm looking at the votes here. The first place vote is just from uh, EFF College, and it really wasn't close. Penix had 292 votes. Jaden Daniels, 503. No, that that's pretty. That's closer for the Heisman. And I think I think the total vote vote total the points was like three hundred or something. I think that was the closest in the last six or seven years or something like that. Five or six years. So okay. I mean, it wasn't razor thin. I get that, but it, but relatively speaking, that was on the closer side of things for recent history. I was kind of surprised that Bo Nix only got fifty one votes. Were you surprised by low that low voting? Yeah, a little bit. Because again, I, I thought he was clearly number two coming into that conference championship weekend. I guess I did not realize how volatile two versus three was. And, again, I think they put a lot of stock in that game. I didn't think that necessarily Penix played a whole lot better than Knicks. It's just that Washington won. And so they they clearly value yeah, that. I was going to ask you. I think Penix was that much better to be 292 versus 51. Yeah. Again, I, 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 wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have thought that. Uh, but, again, I certainly understand because I know Brooks, uh, Brooks had had Knicks winning the Heisman a couple weeks before that, and then he even voted Nick's third in our little uh, little uh, sports call poll there. Uh, so he, 
that that was a line of thinking for some where that game was a determining factor between those two. Okay, and finally sticking with this, uh, the highest one, I was really disappointed, and I thought, well, why did they slide him like this? You know, they had four people invited. Why, why wouldn't they have invited Jordan Travis? Well, I honestly didn't even think Harrison should have been – or could, you could have made an argument that Harrison wouldn't have been there either. They historically only do three or four. They have done five on a very sparing well, yeah, amount. Yeah, I know they've done five. So I said, well, if you're going to do you know, four, then do five. Put Travis in. I mean, he had a broken leg, you know, the guy. You know, But I say, if you're going to put Marvin Harrison in and invite Jordan Travis, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Again, I, Travis was, was obviously way lower in vote totals. Harrison was a huge gap from third to four. Yeah, and – I mean, he got so few votes. You could have. I wouldn't have had a huge problem with it, but I also don't have a huge problem with it uh, the other way because, again, the voting was – again, he was not, not close to third or, or anything like that. So, Okay. All right, fair enough. And, guys, if you haven't read this article, um, I, I'd suggest, especially if you're an Auburn fan, from AO.com, actually a positive one. Uh, and it's uh, by Ansley Lee. Yeah. And it's entitled, From a Football Mom's Point of View, quote, Hugh Freeze brought a whole different atmosphere. And he talks about, of course, she is the mother of both Marcus Harris and a new signee from uh, for us, Malik Blockton. They're both her sons. And she talks about how uh, the atmosphere that uh, she experienced uh, with Hugh Freeze uh, was so uh, welcoming and uh, laid back. And it is, it, to me, just uh, an interesting article because, as you know, guys, you know, I was not a big, you know, hooping up and down. In fact, I was rather reluctant to to even pull uh, for Freeze being hired. Um, I've begun warming up to that hire uh, now, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to see these kind of articles and columns that tell us what to do these parents think of uh, Hugh Freeze. So if you haven't read it, I'd say you might want to consider reading it then. Sure, sure. All right. Uh, with that said, guys, uh, I'm so glad that Keontae Scott is returning. Um, were you guys thinking he might not uh, return? Yeah, we, we, that's something else we needed to get into, too. I thought that there would be a pretty high chance that he would not, but uh, that was a big return. And I'm seeing that apparently uh, maybe I'm um, having unrealistic hopes here that Ryan Williams uh, is still uh, apparently they're going after him, and there's some uh, positive uh, feedback or comments from uh, several of the 247 sports writers. You guys hearing anything on that? Uh, the the biggest thing is that he has classified he has reclassified to the twenty twenty four class. That's the biggest thing, and, and apparently three of the Auburn's coaches were there for the ceremony today. So, um, well, he, he's in he's in play. Playoffs. He he is he is in play. I, that that's all I can tell you right now because that's all I know. He is in play, um, and he has not said anything like he is absolutely one hundred percent committed to Alabama or anything like that. Auburn is in play for it. Now, he will not be able to sign in December because there are some academic things that have to get taken care of when he reclassifies. So he won't be able to sign until February. So there's still some time uh, there for Auburn to get on him, but he's now he's now a 2024 guy instead of 2025. What about that, guys? Yeah, last thing, Steve, we got, we're going to have to get to another call. Why doesn't the NCAA just go ahead and own up and say, forget February the 7th, let's just make it officially December 20th? I mean, I don't. What would be the problem with having two two signing periods? Well, because the majority of the best players 
ain't late to February the 7th, are they? Most of them now are going to be signing on December 20th. Sure, but does yeah. that mean everyone has to speed up just on their accord? Uh, no. Because, I mean, but, it's always yeah. been in February. Yeah, it used I to know, be in February. I know, but uh, what I'm saying is uh, I'm willing to adjust to it. It looks like most of the action now, most of the conversation is focused on December 20th. And very little any more is being even said about February the 7th like it used to be. That's what I was going by. Yeah, no. Again, I think I think they I think they're perfectly fine to have two different signing periods. Okay. With that said, guys, thank you for your time as always. My time is way way up. So with that, you have a good afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll give another shot tomorrow. But until then, where you go always, guys. Where you'll see. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's grab one more phone call before we go to our next timeout. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? Doing good today. You know, I, I would have liked to see Bo win the prize and all that good stuff, but you know, he won that Campbell Award. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, uh, everybody got their own opinion and whatnot, but when you talk about winning a Campbell Award, talking about uh, academics or uh, scholastic achievement, it don't get no better than that. I don't care what kind of uh, Heisman Trophy they got, or Outland Trophy, or, w- or what they got on a football field. You start talking about academic success and progress, it don't get no better than that. That just hats off to anybody, no matter who win it. I mean, that's just a cream on any kind of cake or potatoes or anything you eat. That just, I mean, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I don't know if I want to put cream on my potatoes, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's definitely a cool, <laughs> definitely cool award. Uh, I still think that the public at large is going to focus more on the Heisman, but no, Nick's had a great season, and, and being academically sound is very important. And uh, obviously, that's you know not not what has been on the mind of many people, administrators in the sport, and and, and that sort of thing. But uh, but yeah, no, he uh, he had a great season on and off the field. You know, it's like when I called in when that kid out of Lochapoca had signed with Auburn or committed or whatnot. And uh, and, I, and I was telling you guys, he had opportunity to go to the Ivy League school and get the biggest education you could possibly get and make the biggest connections lifelong that would bring in millions on top of millions of, of, of potential dollars. Depending on what career path he took, it was almost guaranteed if he just went through the process to walk away from something like that, considering uh, – you know, if you look at the history of African Americans in this country, opportunities being uh, so uh, limited and very limited at times and, uh, over the course of the history, and to walk away from something like that, I just couldn't understand it. But people do what they want to do. But uh, moving along, uh, you know, as far as that Heisman go, I wish they put a twist to that thing, come up with a defensive Heisman and a special team Heisman as well. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I mean, is that not some form of award show that they do now? I mean, they give awards for every position group, uh, and they. Uh, they kind of lump a couple position groups in at times. I think the Bednarik can be linebackers and defensive ends and that sort of thing. And I mean, there, there's a lot of them, and they have a, awards for really every every group. They have the Lou, Go, Lou Groza for for kicker. Uh, they have a Ray Guy for punter. I mean, I, I guess you could loop them together. But I mean, they do they do have awards for these positions. Well, yeah, I mean, they give that, but I mean, you know, you can still be a step above. I mean, you can have two kickers. One is the Heisman, the other one just might be the, I mean, you know, it depends on how you look at it. Or, or, you know, I don't know, but I just think maybe that since that's a separate ward in itself from those, you know, but uh, I guess when you do it like that, I guess there's really no need if you got all that. Yeah, I guess not. But I was just thinking maybe. I mean, you, you know, could, you, uh, the one thing I'll say is you could do yeah. a, a full-fledged, like, top defensive player in the award. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if they exactly yeah, well, do that. I'm trying but, to get at, yeah. Yeah. 
you got people individually at those positions, but I'm just overall, like you said, full fledged. That, okay, that's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps that might be a twist there. <clears throat> They might try. I don't know, but we'll see next year. But one thing that I was disappointed in that um, you look at the uh, Blitznikoff Award, uh, you had a wide receiver. The Harrison guy had fifteen hundred yards, right? Uh, he had a big year. Yeah, I don't know what the exact number was, but yeah, Marvin yeah, Harrison. Fifteen hundred or something. How could you miss out on winning that award to somebody that only had twelve hundred yards receiving? Uh well, I thought Harrison did win the Blitznikoff. I thought it was Malik, no, no, or no, was it Harrison Malik Neighbors? Somebody else got it. The guy with twelve hundred yards, whoever that was, because uh, I think he tweeted his disappointment and, and criticized the whole process. Because uh, you know we got fifteen hundred yards, and the guy that got twelve hundred yards winning the prize. I don't understand that. Uh, I I thought I, I'm going to double check here because again I wasn't well, do it do it while we while we yeah. live on the on the radio. Yeah, man. well that's uh, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I thought that uh, Marvin Harrison won it. Uh, you know, Marvin Harrison did win it. I think. Oh, he did. I think. I think you were thinking of Malik Neighbors, who had uh, of LSU, who had better stats than Marvin Harrison. Okay, yeah, did. That's, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. The LSU guy had yes. 1,500 yards. Yes, Harrison. Okay. Harrison okay. missed a game or two this year, so he did not have uh, the, the same. His final numbers, Marvin Harrison, he had 1,200 yards, 14 TDs, and then yeah, Neighbors was the one. Uh, that had about fifteen hundred yards. Uh, I'm trying to get yeah, fifteen forty six and fourteen TDs. Well, wow. I mean, you know, I don't wonder he tweeted. I tweet too if I got fifteen hundred yards going towards sixteen hundred, and a guy got twelve and uh, and got the award. So is that because of his name? His father played in the pros. I think Harrison father played a while. Oh yeah, Marvin Harrison Senior played. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer with with Indianapolis. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So you think the voters might have been swayed uh, that that remembered him or whatnot? Well, I maybe uh, that's uh, a consideration. I I, I think it, again, you can you, this can be agree or disagree. I think they looked at it and said, well, the Heisman Trophy winners playing quarterback for LSU, or at least a Heisman candidate at the time. Whereas Ohio State's quarterback was not viewed in nearly the same light, and maybe they they said that Harrison uh, maybe had a, a tougher time accruing the numbers because of the quarterback he had versus LSU having a, a Heisman Trophy winner. I again that that could be fair or foul. I don't know. That's just my speculation. Uh, they're both damn good, and they're both going to be top ten picks in the NFL. You know, I don't think anybody's ever gone through the Southeastern Conference as far as the wide receiver and had that kind of yardage. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is, I mean, is that true? No. Uh, well, Devontae Smith, I mean, he won the Heisman a couple of years ago for Bama. I mean, I know he won it, but I'm not sure if he had 15. Did he have 1,500 yards? It it felt like it. I'll, I'll go look at the exact number, but it, it certainly uh, – he, mean, he, he was, was running up and down the field. Uh, I mean, he was – he was missed everything, electrifying for sure. But yeah. Uh, Oh, I mean, yeah, I no, just, listen uh, to this, Anthony. He had 1,856 yeah. yards and 23 oh. touchdowns. Okay, well, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's really out there. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, I, you just never know how these wars will go, but uh, bowl season coming up uh, and everything, we'll see how those work out with players opting out or, or whatever they decide to do. But uh, one thing I want to mention that I saw y'all pick up a, a couple wide receiver commitments, uh, another one from uh, Phoenix City over the weekend, and, Another stud horse uh, out of Florida, if I'm not mistaken, or somewhere. Uh, was it Florida, Mississippi? Or? Yeah, so the, those guys were, I guess they were just coming across the railroad. The, the Florida flip uh, Waller, uh, top 100 player, he flipped a, a week or two ago. Uh, and then Cam Coleman out of Central Phoenix City, if you're referring to him, he, he flipped about a week ago too. So I, I don't know if those were the – who you referred to? I mean, they're both huge prospects. Yeah, that's who I'm referring to. But yeah. they made it sound like last night was something that just was announced uh, uh, 
over the weekend or something. The way I mean, the way it came across last night. Maybe they went on another visit or it did some more graphics and like, hey, we're loading up here type of thing. But but no, they they yeah. committed about a week or two ago. So the twentieth is a magical date, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, next oh, Wednesday. Wow. Oh, man, I tell you, I bet everybody's out there now in a motel room watching these players all across the street. And, I mean, you know, the ones they really want, I guess these coaches are out giving that final pitch and, and everybody else, whatever kind of influence they can influence them, everybody's doing it, huh? Oh, well, yeah, all kinds of uh, money and promises being offered and, uh, yeah, all, all kinds of things for sure. Well, I tell you, as close as it is to Christmas, this is the time <laughs> you're talking about getting certain kind of talent, going to certain kind of homes that, uh, you know, living below the poverty level or right on it, having financial struggles. This is time now to spend your million dollars, all board of trustees or whoever got the big money at Auburn, if you can hear my voice. This is time to do it, to get the talent that you really want. Go ahead and spend it. It'll pay dividends. All right, I'll holler at y'all later. Yes, sir. Appreciate the phone call, Anthony. That is Anthony from Auburn. Joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of recruits and families, going to have very <laughs> Merry Christmas. Is that, that's uh, also the ironic thing about the or ironic thing about the timing is that it is the twentieth right before Christmas, and uh, again, most of most of the big names will commit, as you talked about uh, with Steve, Tom, uh, Ryan Williams cannot commit, will not commit till February. It'll be in the February yeah. signing period, and that'll be one to watch. We'll talk about him. We got to take a take a quick break here our first break of the four o'clock hour when we come back we'll talk about ryan williams we'll talk about the portal again auburn having another name enter the portal and having someone commit to them from out of the portal so we'll talk about all that coming up next To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday edition of the program. And of course, this time of year, we don't have football to recap much of it over the weekend. We did have the Army-Navy game, which was an entertaining game, close yeah. game. Uh, however, this time of year, you usually have a lot of transfer portal and recruiting to recap. So we're going to go through some of that stuff right now, both with Auburn and a little bit nationally. Of course, we'll start with Auburn. We'll start with a departure, uh, and that was a couple hours ago, uh, just a little bit before our show. Wilkie Denod, the freshman defensive lineman, was a four-star recruit, one of the better recruits a couple cycles ago. Uh, He has put his name in the portal. Again, so that's the eighth Tiger, by my count, to enter the portal. Again, Wilkie Denod. However, big news today. This was mentioned in phone call with Steve, as were a couple things. That Keontae Scott will be returning the Auburn secondary. Of course, there's a couple key guys that already have to go. So that was a really important uh, bit of news because it felt like Scott could have gone pro. That's a win. Uh, uh, that's, a, that's a big win. 
And so uh, that's something you need in the secondary. And so Auburn gets retains the services of Keontae Scott. Over the weekend, they got their first transfer portal addition. And that is in the form of Robert Lewis out of Georgia State, a 5'11 wide receiver, 70 catches, 877 yards, seven touchdowns at Georgia State. So he entered the fold, another wide receiver for the Tigers. And then just about a half hour ago, uh, Tom was alerting to me of this while we were on the phone lines. Seth Wilfred, a JUCO offensive tackle, again, junior college offensive tackle, has committed to Auburn. The other offers he was getting were from Liberty, North Texas, Old Dominion, Utah State, Houston, Iowa State, Akron, uh, Arizona State, and a couple FCS programs. So 66295 tackle. Yeah. So again, one in from JUCO, <clears throat> one in from Portal, one big returning, and one leaving. All in about a 48 hours piece of time, yeah. and that's how it goes this time of year. Yeah, uh, that is how it goes. So uh, it's a lot of movement that goes on this time of year, and uh, will be more movement as we as we get towards that December 20th uh, early signing period, and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I am happy to see, though, it, it, it feels like some of the – rumor and innuendo out there that was coming from the school across the state has it seems like has died down a little bit there's just a lot of rumor about perry thompson and and the thoughts that perry thompson may be looking to possibly flip back towards alabama or that alabama was really pushing for a flip there and how would that affect other people and that this was all kind of this speculation and stuff that was going on it feels like that's quieted down quite a bit so hopefully that's done but this is the thing that Auburn's got to Auburn fans have got to realize and remember is because we we haven't we have not experienced this in the last couple of years when you're when you are recruiting these guys that are five star dudes that are like the dudes yep you have to recruit them all the way up until they sign that name on on their uh, on the on, on the letter yep. of intent yep um. Because the other schools are not going to quit recruiting them. So, and we've seen it before back, you know, uh, Tuberville days and into the Malzon days, you'd have five star guys that you thought you felt very comfortable about that flipped at the last second, uh, even make a commitment on the day of and then turn around and sign differently. So, uh, right now it's nice having the guys that are here and you're very excited about it and you're excited to see how it looks like they are recruiting for Auburn and things like this. But the coaching staff also, they know. Uh, you have to keep in touch with these guys. You have to keep recruiting them all the way up until they sign because, yeah, I, Alabama is not going to sit there. It, you look at the potential of what Auburn is signing in the wide receiver room. You've already got Perry Thompson. and You, you, flip, you flipped Perry Thompson from Bama. You flipped uh, Cam Coleman from A&M. You've already got uh, two other guys, uh, Bryce Kane and Malcolm Simmons. So you got those guys. Now with now with uh, uh, Williams uh, reclassifying for twenty twenty four, and Auburn has been hot on his on his heels trying to get him. You're looking at Auburn potentially getting one of the best wide receiver recruiting groups ever. Like this doesn't happen. Alabama is not just going to sit there and let that happen and not fight that. They're, they're just not. Uh, 
So they are going to pull out all the stops to to try to keep these guys uh, to, to try to keep Williams there. If they can, if they can potentially do what they've got to do to flip somebody uh, that Auburn has to them, they're going to try to do that. So uh, that's that's when you start recruiting in the big boy world. That's that's the things that you have to do. And uh, you know, I, I know the the stomachs are going to be all butterfly up until those names actually come across the fax machine wondering because Auburn has just been burned so many times before but um it, it feels like things are in good hands right now but then there's also other areas to keep watching I mean the the quarterback deal for transfer portal we still don't know what's happening there um so we'll see it's a lot of a lot of stuff going on a lot of moving parts for sure and and I, I saw some of the stuff you're talking about with Perry Thompson. Look, I again, in general, these guys are not you know, as long as they're not signed, they're they're going to be fair sure. game and you're going to worry some degree. I personally not did not ever take too much stock into that just because Perry Thompson has been one of those that has been actively recruiting for Auburn. Right. And usually those are the guys that you feel are a little more solid and he has been hyping up Cam Coleman, he has been trying to Help lure Ryan Williams away. And well, I mean, he, four or five. There's yeah. there's the five yeah. that they're trying to get. And so so he's been so active that you know absolutely it is a nice reminder because Auburn has lost plenty in the past. They have flipped plenty in the past, and more will happen both ways. I mean, they've got right. kids committed for 2025 that they you know have to hold on to for 13 months. You know, yeah. I mean that that's a long period of time uh, to keep high schoolers committed for, but. Uh, you know, Thompson's not one I necessarily worry about, but they they seriously will with with Ryan Williams. I mean, they I think they felt better. We asked Cole Pinkston about it a couple weeks ago. They felt better if he did reclassify in terms of getting him in into Auburn, yeah. because they felt like they can pitch the beginning of this. They feel they can pitch the playing time. They can feel that this group is going to come in together and make the history. Right. And that's why these guys are leaning so hard into it. And I, I don't know where it will land. Again, there's still two months to go for Williams in, in particular because, again, that has to be a February 7th, I think, is the date for that, whatever the first week of February is. Uh, and, and he will take visits between now and then and, again, two months. Once these classes already take shape and these teams know what they need, know what they're getting, they get NFL decisions. Because that's another thing. you know. I mean, teams like Alabama or Georgia or somebody – may hinge more on a decision of current personnel to come back and and they won't know that until necessarily they play their their playoff game if you're Alabama or that sort of thing. So some sometimes it's the calculus and the promise of playing time playing time and all that. Uh but but certainly Williams is going to be into the very la- I mean that, that's going to be a battle to the very end. Yeah. And and Auburn is absolutely in it. We'll see if they can actually land. I think there's more cautious optimism there than just the pure optimism of yeah. the Cam Coleman situation. But well, and the the good thing is, you know, Ryan Williams in the the announcement today about him reclassifying, he talked about some visits that he was going to make. Which again, that shows you that he is not just full on solid committed to Bama because he's he's talking yeah. about visits that he's going to make. Well, I think if I'm not mistaken, the last visit he has listed or he listed was Auburn. Now, how how that goes chronologically, I don't know. I think most people are thinking his final visit was going to be to Auburn, which that's big. Yeah. Uh, 
And let me tell you this. Uh, I don't know how many folks out there listening had a chance to watch any of the uh, Super 7 that went on this weekend. Uh, I watched that that 6A game, the last game of the Super 7 in Tuscaloosa, that 6A game between Sarah Land, where Ryan Williams plays, is Sarah Land versus Clay Chalkville. Holy goodness. You want to talk about star power all over the field? Uh, Sarah Land obviously has Ryan Williams. Their quarterback was committed to Texas. They have a defensive lineman committed to Bama. Um, several other guys that uh, are committed to different places or will be uh, top prospects. Clay Chalkville, uh, quarterback, is, is committed to Bama as a defensive back. Um, Auburn has a linebacker on Clay Chalkville commit that uh, actually made a game-saving tackle. Uh, Chalkville had six eight three sixty five linemen that was uh, is committed to Oregon. So, I mean, star power all over the field. That said, I got that's the first chance I've actually had to watch Ryan Williams play. You do not want to be playing against him. That that kid is is the real dang deal. Uh, he had he had four touchdowns. He he had he caught for three and he rushed for another. Uh, he would he have one called back too, or was that somebody? I think else? he may have had one called. But he also returned a kick for a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, that's what he had. He called for two, rushed for one, and returned one for a t- returned a uh, punt or a kickoff for a touchdown. Where he actually went over and took it away from the guy. Like I think he kind of realized there was a guy under the ball getting ready to catch it. And Ryan came over there. And he's like, "Move! I'm got. I got this." And he took it to the house. Uh, he would have been player of the game had the uh, Mbakwe guy, the quarterback from Clay Chalkville, just had an incredible game and ended up winning that one for Clay Chalkville, and he got player of the game. But, I mean, uh, Ryan Williams would have easily been player of the game had they been able to hold on and win that or come back and win that. Uh, but Ryan Williams, is a, he is a talent that I'm telling you, you don't want to have to go up against him. Uh, he is he is Percy Harvin. He he is, you know, you name it. He's, he's not a big guy. He's small, but, man, he is electrifying. And I, if Auburn can somehow flip him to go along with the two big dudes that they got and the others, man, live, watch <laughs> out. But I'm just telling you, I, Ryan Williams is the real deal. You it, you don't want to have to be playing against him. And odds are he's going to be in the SEC one way or the other and probably the way it's looking in this state one way or the other. So we'll factor in immensely to somebody's uh, success and somebody's offense. We are out of time for hour number two coming up. And hour number three, a little bit more on some of this roster movement going on in the portal in this age of NIL. Uh, we'll have a sports call five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group, and also get into best and worst of the weekend by the end of the show as well. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. And before we go further into this hour, let's get to today's Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. Give them a call today. John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. A little NFL flavor for you today for the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. There are five teams. This is why I wanted to talk about it. Five teams that were in playoff position that lost to teams this week in the NFL that were not in playoff position. So kind of five upsets, if you will, in the NFL. We'll start off with number one. The game that happened Thursday set the tone. New England Patriots. This is not your Tom Brady Patriots anymore. The 3-10 and already eliminated Patriots. Beat Pittsburgh 21-18. That's a bad loss for the Steelers. Came in at 7-5, and now 7-6. and They're in a hodgepodge of teams that are 7-6 and in the league. So that was number one. Number two. This one is a little bit, uh, this one's not as bad because the team that won that was not in prior playoff position is now in playoff position. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But the Atlanta Falcons were leading the NFC South Division. They were playing host to third place Tampa Bay. And the Buccaneers won. And now the Buccaneers are first in the NFC South. But at the time, again, costly loss for the Falcons. Still three-way tie for first. The Falcons very well may still win the division. But... Uh, That is now a a tough situation. All three teams, very, very meh, and one of them will play in the NFL playoffs. Number three. You had a tough loss for the Indianapolis Colts as the Colts playing the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals were not in playoff position before this game. Now they are in that group of seven and six teams, while the Colts already at seven wins. They fall to seven and six. That's a potentially costly uh, loss. For the Colts, if that comes down to a tiebreaker between the two teams, all of a sudden Cincinnati with Jake Browning is hanging in there. Not so bad. Next up, number four. You have the New York Jets beating the Houston Texans. That one is a rough one. Texans got slammed 30-6. to Jets not destined for the playoffs this year. They're 5-8, and eight, or 5-9 and nine rather. But Houston was coming in again at 7-5. They lose, pick up their sixth loss. Again, you're hearing the theme. There are a lot of teams that are now 7-6 and six in the National Football League. There's a lot of middling teams, and some of them will make the playoffs, and some of them will lose very quickly in the playoffs. So that was a bad one for the Texans, and C.J. Stroud went out with concussion symptoms. Last but not least, on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, looking at five teams that lost to teams that were not already not in the playoffs as of that game. And these, of course, five teams were. Number five. And that is this one is probably the worst one, or at least it's on par with the Texas. Detroit Lions lose by two scores to the Chicago Bears. Lions are not in as much peril as these other teams we've talked about. But the Lions do drop to nine and four, playing a little colder football as of late. And the Bears playing a little better football, but still a five win team. Not a team the Lions should be losing to. 
And again, shouldn't worry too much about division, but if Green Bay wins tonight, Green Bay's been very hot. They'll only be two back, Minnesota two back. So Detroit letting the Vikings and Packers hang around. And I can tell you if you're an NFC North fan, do not let the Packers hang around, even though it's not Jordan or excuse me, Aaron Rodgers anymore. It is Jordan Love. He has been playing better. Not Jordan Rodgers. Uh, not Jordan Rodgers either. Uh, and so Jordan Love been playing really well, though. Yeah. So, and they have a, a bad Giants team tonight. Maybe the theme will continue and another non-playoff team will win. But if they don't, Packers be 7-6. and six. They'll be in a playoff position. I could give you a bonus one, too. Why not? Sports call 6-5% at five percent of my Southeastern Lay group is that the Kansas City Chiefs in a playoff position playing a 6-6 six and six Bills team. I know the Bills are good, or, or at least on paper it's supposed to be good. But, again, that's at home, and the Chiefs lose. And, again, we already talked a little bit about earlier Another playoff team losing to another team that's not prior in the playoffs. So again, every team in the AFC is seven and six. <laughs> there are so many teams that are seven to six. So those are all the teams that were in a playoff position coming in the weekend that lost to a team that were not in the playoffs coming in the weekend. So a crazy time in the National Football League for sure. We'll get into that more throughout the rest of the week. But Tom Peavy, we go back to some of what we were talking about to end hour number two, and that is everything going on in the portal and with yeah. Auburn football. And, again, we talked about the upside element, too, if Ryan Williams comes in here. Again, Auburn did go ahead and get a wide receiver in the portal. Again, Robert Lewis out of Georgia State, nearly 900-yard receiver, seven touchdowns. Interestingly enough, a little bit of a smaller guy that seems he would kind of play a similar role to Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson. So I'm not sure what the upside for playing time is there. I'm just going to be completely honest, but – uh, nevertheless, they do. They wanted to get a couple veterans because they're going to have so many young guys. I mean, yeah. they're going to have at least four. <laughs> yeah. We know that, and they're trying to get a fifth. And so they just want some some older heads in the room to be sure. leaders, even if they don't end up playing a lot. And then again, the Keontae Scott part really important for him to come back to Auburn. Yeah, uh, out of all the news today, I mean, Keontae Scott announcing that he was coming back, it was big time. Uh, you know, there there was some thought that he was going to move on and. You couldn't blame him if he did, but uh, he he did the announcement. I love the announcement. I mean, it's kind of one of those kept you on edge until he said his time at Jordan Hare Stadium was not done. Uh, that's a big get, and, and that's that's the forgotten part of the recruiting aspect that people uh, don't usually think about is recruiting the guys that you have. Yes, uh, we talk about recruiting all the time. You've got to recruit the high school kids. You've got to recruit the kids that are in the portal. You have to recruit your own guys. Um, if you legit feel like – if you're the coaching staff and you're looking at Keontae Scott and he says, hey, you know, I'm, I kind of want to, you know, see what my options are there as far as, as NFL goes, you have to kind of do the recruiting pitch. You know, obviously you don't want to tell a kid, no, you're not, you're not going to do that or you can't do that. I, you know, I don't think you're ready for that. You know, you have to be realistic with them. But that's part of the recruiting your own guys. Same thing with guys that you might have that – may start looking at the portal um so yeah i mean the the recruiting within your own team has to happen all the time and i think that's a that's a recruiting win for auburn uh, however it was that they talked to keontae scott or whoever talked to keontae um to to tell him that you know things are still good here and that you know maybe this is the best spot for you next year you know i don't know how that conversation went but that's a big get that's that's huge so um and then as far as the receivers go, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you're bringing in, you know, bringing a couple of dudes from the portal. You're still hoping that you can flip Ryan Williams. Um, obviously, you still got to keep recruiting these guys that you have uh, so that people don't come in and, and snatch them out from under you. But um, you you feel like you're still going to have some some guys in there that at least have a little bit of veteran leadership to them that played some this year. You know, granted, they weren't the greatest wide receiver group, but you have some guys. Um I'm just I'm excited for it. I, I really am. Uh, I, I'm I'm very curious to see what happens ultimately at the quarterback position. Uh, whether they go, whether they actually go for anybody, or if you know, Cam Ward is the one that I thought that was done and over with, and then all of a sudden I start seeing like his finalists, and it's like Auburn's one of those. I'm like I didn't I didn't think that was going to happen. But. Yeah, that might be one of those things where it's not really that. It, it may, it's like it he wanted not. to put a few schools out there, but. Auburn is not really – there's no traction there. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I It just feels like we're getting better. But so many people recover, uh, recover recruiting, and Auburn has a, a, like four or five guys that do recruiting, yeah. and they're all really good. And unless they're just saying like, oh, or, you know, you, like you, can, you don't even need to be a VIP. Like if you just follow the article, like what the headline of the articles are, right. and the – uh, persistency of the articles, how often they come out, how many of them are, what the tone is, just from the headlines, you kind of figure out how real something yeah. is or not. Well, like the Ryan Williams stuff. This, this right, is not, that's real. This, this is not the Ryan Williams thing. Is not just Auburn fans. Like I hope we can get this kid. No, he's like there's actually some real. There's some substance to that. Yeah. Um. The KJ Bolden thing. KJ Bolden. That's. Uh, um, five star committed to five, State. Yeah, um, safety. You know, I, I saw uh, I saw one of the guys saying that their confidence level is not very high for that one right now. But that but I, Auburn is still in play with KJ Bolden. Um, it, it feels like I've heard it's kind of quieted down on the KJ Bolden yeah. front, which makes me think that Auburn may not be as much in it. But I mean, Florida things, State read the change. newspaper and then was like, okay, fine. Well, there's that. Well, 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 there's that, but I think Georgia made a huge play. Yeah, I think Georgia made a huge play there, Um, and and so you know, I don't know. Things have quieted down on that, but I mean, with the KJ Bolden deal again, that was not just something where the Auburn fans were like, "Hey, I think we have a shot with him." It's like there's like some legit traction there. The Cam Ward deal, I I haven't heard anything other than you know uh, they put a graphic up of like schools that are in it for Cam Ward and Auburn's one of them. I'm like, okay, well. I haven't seen any of the writers say anything about it. I haven't seen anything about him setting up a visit to Auburn. Um, I, you know, I nothing. I, but I also have not seen that with really any quarterback. You know, there's been a little bit of smoke there with Riley Leonard, but I mean, even then, that, 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 that yeah. has not really been. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, they're just on the quarterback front, you know, and that's one of the things that we talked with Justin Ferguson about. Uh, was that last week or two weeks ago when we were, we were talking quarterbacks? And, uh, you know, Ferg was saying then that Auburn may not go the quarterback route. They may be satisfied enough with Peyton Thorne and think that if uh, if they can get the wide receiver group to where it looks like they're going to get it and then really refine that offensive line group, that they think that Peyton Thorne can actually be a very good quarterback in, in what they're trying to do. I don't know about that, but – Maybe you know, maybe if you give him some weapons, he can actually do something with it. But uh, that's that's where Ferg thinks that they might be going. But you just don't know. But it feels like they're it feels like you're putting the 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 program in a good position with the guys that you're getting from 
uh, not only the high school route, but the portal route, um, you know, the, the Juco route, you know, got offensive lineman today from Juco and, uh, yeah, feel, it feels good to actually see Auburn kind of in that mix as like one of the top teams. Cause you know, we've gone through a couple of years where you, you were losing guys out of the program left and right. And there was nobody coming in to replace them. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like, what are we like? How are you even going to fill the offensive line right now? Cause we've just lost everybody and there's nobody coming in here. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, big time starters are like bailing out and leaving. And, you know, you were really just kind of sitting in a position where you're like, I, how, what kind of a team are you even going to put on the field next year? It, it feels a whole lot different now. I mean, it, it's definitely going to be some young talent, but you feel really good about the, the guys that are coming in here. Oh yeah, no. The, again, it's it's a different day when you can spend entire segments and half hours and even hours talking about just a week's worth of moves or a few days worth uh, of storylines. And to go back to those top recruits like Bolden, it's like yeah, Auburn. I if I had to predict, no, they will not end up with, with KJ Bolden. But the fact they even got back in it after all they've done offensively with the wide receivers. And that's also why, again, there, there's just not – with the portal quarterbacks, there's just not been much noise there. I just don't think that's Auburn's priority. I, I think that personally if there was one available – if let me correct – if there was one that they felt like they didn't have to give an arm and a leg to to get, that they still thought that would be a surefire starter, they would do it. But I, I just don't think that they're overeager. And I, I just don't think – I think they are way more focused – on the high school guys, they're way more focused. And some of that could be timeliness, too, because portal guys will go beyond just the 20th, 21st here. But uh, I, I think that they have just they, – they want to build the full foundation and they're going to throw their money NIL-wise at, at all the, the big-time high school guys rather than a bunch of big big portal guys. And, and I think, too, people want to talk about the – increasing feel feel of a professional environment here with with how these players are gonna make money and, and how uh some of the proposals have it even more direct from school to player i think that it does this approach becomes mirroring the nfl in a way i think that college recruiting in the high school ranks mirrors nfl scouting and the draft department and Getting portal guys is the free agency equivalent of the NFL. And I think that if you're Auburn and you're a program that won six games this year, five the year before, six the year before that, you are drafting right now. You are in full scout and draft mode. You're in get the foundation correct. Once you get the foundation correct, you then pivot to free agency, a.k.a. the portal. And that's when you finish off your team building with who's that one free agent or two free agents that put me over the top. Now, obviously, these cycles are much more shorter than professionally because in the NFL, you have players for seven, eight, nine, ten years if they're if they're Hall of Famers or elite, twelve, thirteen years. So you can't get twelve years out of a out of a kid. But I think that it is it is roster building in college football is becoming more mirror like to the NFL where you're not you just if you're a five six win team you're just not going to get what you need out of the portal 
uh, without some sort of great foundation to be able to compete and be be awesome the next year. And I think Auburn's looking at it like, yeah, if we wanted to throw X million out Cam Ward or Riley Leonard, we could. But does that make us in a 10 or 11 win team next year? I, I don't think they feel that way. And if it doesn't make them a 10 or 11 win team, therefore they're not in the playoffs, then what's it worth? Yeah. When you can get these guys that in theory – Look, today's climate makes things less certain, but in theory, you get guys for three or four years for that money, and you get guys that will set you up in a better, more formal position to when you are ready to make that portal uh, acquisition or two, that will may be more of a sure thing than it would be now to get a good quarterback. Because as good as some parts of this team looked, or as surprisingly uh, ex- acceptable as some of these parts of the team looked it's still not a huge foundation of guys like you're not looking at this team and some of their really good players and saying oh yeah got them for two or three more years because the contributors were already a bunch of transfers for the most part or a Jarquez Hunter that's only got another year or so of eligibility uh you're looking at quarterback if Peyton Thorne is your guy or if he did do enough for you he's only got one more year of eligibility it's, and I know we're talking the difference in one versus two years, two versus three years, et cetera, but that's college sports. You, you don't get these kids for 12 years unless you go to BYU and go on a Mormon mission. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so, I, again, I, so I, I understand it's just one of something, it's just one more year, but that does make a difference in people's minds. Oh, we've got so-and-so back for two more years. That's a big deal versus, oh, we've only got them for one more year. That right. the, you, you, you process what you've got <laughs> in the future differently, and because Auburn had – three straight week recruiting classes last year Malzahn and the two years of Harson, then you kind of have to look at it like, yeah, I, I don't have a bunch of guys that I know for two to three more years are going to be positively impacting the program. You've got a bunch of guys that you brought in here transfer-wise that might have another year or two. You have a bunch of guys that uh, has uh, several more uh, opportunities to play now. But at the same time, you you still have a, a, a task with roster building where you have to be responsible enough to say as is as nice of a sign as it was this year. You got to think about two and three years and be afforded the time to do that. Yeah, uh, little n- recruiting nugget that I just saw. It doesn't involve Auburn. It involves a very arch rival of Auburn though. Uh, so uh, Georgia has a quarterback that has been committed to them since may february march april yeah since may uh dylan rayola uh quarterback out of uh buford georgia five star he at least i'm looking on rivals he is listed as the number two overall prospect in the country number one quarterback in the country he's been committed to georgia uh people are some of the writers are switching their crystal ball to nebraska for him to sign his his father played at nebraska and uh like just a little bit ago, I just started seeing uh, Steve Steve Wiltfong of Two Forty Seven Sports. Uh, yeah, flipped my Two Forty Seven Sports crystal ball to Nebraska for five star quarterback Dylan Rayola, and uh, yeah, Fer- Ferguson Justin Ferguson jumped on that. Uh, Jake Crane jumped on that. So uh, yeah, I mean, talk, talk about that's what I was saying. You you have to keep recruiting these kids, even when they commit to you. You have to keep recruiting them because other teams are coming after them, and you know. And again, like I said, when the, when these guys like Steve Wiltfong and these other folks, if they if they switch their crystal ball 
to Nebraska, it's because they're hearing something. They don't just go, eh, you know what, I'm going to switch. Yeah, this I mean, would be fun to cause this will be. Yeah, listen, let's, let's stir the pot here and let's do something for, for, for poops and laughs. Um, no, I mean – there's actually there must be some real well, smoke there for him flipping from Georgia to to Nebraska. Goodness gracious, you want to talk about a law? If Georgia loses that, I mean that is the number two player in the country, the top quarterback in the country on three of the four recruiting sites. He's number one quarterback in the country. Yeah, uh, potentially flipping yeah. to Nebraska. Wow. I I don't know. I I Matt rules on something because, well, and I also I I'm not I'm surprised by this. I know you said his father went there. They're, they've been linked to Kyle McCord out of Ohio well, State. I, like, I, like it is very, it is very actually probable that that's the destination for McCord. So Ryola would not be a surefire start. I don't know if I don't know if one hand knows what the other's doing. Nebraska right. should know what they're doing, but I don't know if McCord knows this about Ryola or vice versa. I don't know if there's going to be new information and then McCord doesn't go there. But like McCord has been the front of Nebraska has been the front runner for McCord. He's yeah. the again the starting quarterback at Ohio State last year. Right, so, I, and I'm looking at that. I'm actually looking at that right now. Uh, that's on three. Uh, on three, hit logged expert prediction for Nebraska to land Ohio State transfer yeah. Kyle McCord. So you got them talking about that, but then you've got another going crystal ball for Rayola to go to. Is Nebraska, Nebraska back? Goodness gracious, <laughs> Matt Rule, man, what are you doing there, buddy? Uh, trying to rule the Midwest. Apparently, uh, sounds like it. Uh, so, so that would be very interesting. But I do see I, that that is possible. I don't know if. See, that's why I'm confused because you say, "Well, well you know, it's because Carson Beck worked out well this year, and he should be back next year." Well, okay, but again, McCord. So is I mean, are they going to have to recant the McCord offer? I don't know. That's interesting to see how it plays out because. I don't think Beck would necessarily play more than one year, one more, one more year at Georgia. Excuse me. Right. Uh, so then you say, oh, he didn't want to sit. Well, he might sit in Nebraska if they bring in McCord. Or then you say, well, he'd beat McCord out. Well, then why is McCord going there? Right. <laughs> I just don't know. I that that does not seem to add up. Uh, but but that get good for Nebraska. That's something fun for them to talk about then, because yeah. they're, they're going to get some sort of valuable quarterback. It seems either. Either already Ohio State's guy or or Riola here. Uh, that also does bring to mind one more thing. Portal topic before we had to break and do best and worst time. Uh, Gabriel Dylan Gabriel did go to Oregon. This oh weekend. yeah, yeah, I saw uh, that. So yeah. Mississippi State did land a transfer portal quarterback. I'm trying to recall uh, who it was, but it was not Gabriel. So the notion that I had that that Gabriel might follow Levy. Uh, which would have been very odd, just considering that Mississippi State clear step down program wise uh, to or uh, to to Oklahoma. They did land somebody. Also, Arkansas landed Boise State's transfer quarterback Taylor Green, uh, thirty eight hundred yard passer, a uh, thousand rushing yards, nineteen TDs. All that's in two years. Uh, so that might be Arkansas's new quarterback Taylor Green. But yeah. uh, portal quarterbacks just. Uh, Again, a lot of them for the most important position. Guys that started at, at big schools, moving all over the place. Very, very, very intense stuff. We're going to go to our next timeout of the show. When we come back, best and worst, maybe another phone call or two on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. <laughs> Look 
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday as we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Keith from Auburn. Keith is with us. Keith, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Hope you all are as well. Um, let me let me break this down for you guys. I, I'm driving here and I've listened to you all talk about Kyle McCord and Riola. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm shocked that you all hadn't figured this thing out. But if you go to Nebraska... There's a lot of cornfields up there, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, they've opened up the cornfields. Now, what do I mean by that? <laughs> well, it's a couple of things. One, uh, if I'm not mistaken, corn is an ingredient for alcohol, is it not? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so that registers into dollars, okay? Uh-huh. So, um, and then if you flip over a few channels and think of uh, Kevin Costner's movie, Field of Dreams. Yes. <laughs> okay, if you pay them... They, they will, will come. come, yeah. So that's that's where Nebraska's headed right now. They've opened up them cornfields, and uh, they 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 they're taking that money, and they're 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 paying some nil out. So my question, though, guys, I mean, think about this. I, I know y'all talking about uh, Auburn for a minute. W- what difference were they between Auburn and Nebraska this year? Do you think if they played head to head, who would win that ball game? Oh, I think I, I don't know. Uh, Nebraska was not good at the start of the year, but they got much better. I think they ended yeah. up around seven and five. I, I think it would be a, a tough. I think it would be similar to the the game Auburn's going to play against Maryland, where I think it would yeah. be uh, a little tougher to Maybe call. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're both. I mean, probably talent wise, they were probably close. Uh, but what? But what make what? Where's the difference at between Nebraska going after these big cats? And you just hear smoke about Auburn and, and the quarterback room there. You see what I'm saying? I, I mean, I don't know uh, what they're what they're waiting on. I mean, this is uh, you got to go get some of these folks, man. You know? Well, I, mean, I, I think I, I think I would say the difference is is that Auburn, whether fair or foul, I mean, it, it's very possible this is just the wrong line of thinking, but. I think that they like their guy more than Nebraska like theirs. In fact, I think Sims, yeah. their guy, went back in the portal today or yesterday, so that's obviously timing that would add up to all this. I think Auburn just likes their guy more. And, again, whether that's the right line of thinking, that's for us all to debate and then yeah. find out next yeah. year. But but I think that's the truth of it. Yeah. Well, you got to uh, – that's, that's, that's true. I mean, it'll all come out here uh, in the wash and, and also – uh, yeah, you know, I, this NIL stuff is just crazy, and uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't follow it enough to really comment on a whole lot of it other than it's a whole lot of money. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, uh, you know, it looked like Auburn had a pretty good game plan uh, Saturday in their basketball game, um, and um, 
you know, I don't know. Uh, I think the, I think college basketball is going to be why I think the SEC is very uh, competitive again. Um, you know, it'll be I, I, I just don't see. I to me that whoever wins the SEC regular season, it's it, it's probably going to have six losses. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot of uh, there's comparative, you know, parity there. So. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I don't know. Is Ole Miss still un, unbeaten? Yes, they are. They're, they they uh, they beat UCF. I think to go to nine and zero this weekend. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's all I got, guys. I just uh, you know I, I just thought of that. Uh, if you pay me, they'll come. <laughs> uh, if you pay them, they'll come. So I think they're uh, they're opening up the pocketbook, and uh, uh, you know I don't know. Maybe you know they both. I guess they both know how to count. Yeah. Kyle McCord, Ed and Raul, because I'm sure they both got a hefty little uh, paycheck to go that away. But anyway, guys, uh, y'all keep up the good work. Uh, enjoy the uh, listen to you guys and uh, and my Browns. They pulled one out yesterday, so there you go. They they're chasing the Ravens. I don't think they'll catch them, but uh, yeah, Joe Flacco resurrecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just prop him up and dust him off, buddy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. You too, Keith. Appreciate that phone call. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh, yeah, no, a lot of good topics there from Keith. Uh, SEC basketball is going to be a lot of fun this year. Uh, yeah. The two best records overall are South Carolina Ole Miss. I will break the news. That's not how it's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how the SEC stand is going to go. Hey, so. and by the way, Auburn fans don't want to hear this about Ole Miss. Flanagan's having a hell of a yeah. start. Flanagan, to me, 18 points a game. We'll, I think we'll get into right? more of it. Uh, once we get into SEC conference play, I think that the issue with Flanagan is is that he is does not know how to be a role player, right? And he needs a higher volume to get himself going. Because if you think back to the bad Auburn team, he was playing like Auburn's best player, him and Sharif Cooper, when Cooper got cleared, and he was averaging seventeen, eighteen a game. But then Auburn got better around him, brought in Jabari Smith and Kessler and all that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're a third or fourth option. There's a skill to doing that. In the game of basketball, guy, ask James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Like Westbrook, it took years, plural, to figure out, like, I, I'm not, I need to go into a certain role. He's finally doing it with the Clippers, and it's getting better for them. But same way with Harden. Harden thinks he's the guy still. Well, he's aged, and now he's not the guy anymore, and he needs to be the second or third option. And it's tough to go down the tiers a little bit to say, okay, I'm not the first option. Here's how I can be great as the third option, or oh, oh you know, and, and just vice versa. And so Flanagan is doing a really nice job now, being the one option again. But Auburn absolutely was justified to say, hey, you're not the best guy on the team anymore. Uh, and the, when you were, the team was not very good. So what Ole Miss will become, we'll see, because, again, it's a great 9-0 start. What they'll do in SEC play, again, we'll see. But Chris Beard's a really good coach. He'll figure it out. Uh, but, yeah, no, he has been good. I also think that in this situation, I think it was just the best for both parties because I don't think it was going to work out again uh, right. in his favor here. But uh, you're right. He has been really good at Ole Miss this year. But this league, I mean, everybody – Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Auburn, Alabama, they've all already sustained a couple of losses. So that definitely shows me. I think these some of these teams are really good. But ba- they, Bama. Yep, Bama can score a million points. They can't defend. Yeah. They can't defend at all, but they by, score. Just got beat by Purdue. 
right, and Purdue's really good. And yeah. Alabama hit, I think, 19 threes in that game and lost. And still lost, yeah. Which is Jesus. very hard. But, again, Alabama's offense is as good as anyone's. But, again, they, they, they just do not defend. And they, they I was looking back at it, if you want to hear it, they lost to Ohio State 92-81. They beat Oregon 99-91. They lost to Clemson 85-77. They be, uh, lost Purdue 92-86. Guys, these are 1990s and 2000s NBA scores. It's not 2023 NBA scores because it's like 120 to 115 now. But these are 1990s NBA scores they're playing. So they can absolutely score, and that means they're going to beat some people. Absolutely. But they will have to find some more defense to consistently uh, ward off upset attempts because, again, Lord forbid you have the f- – it'll happen a couple times. They'll have the five for 25 from three, and then you, you're, you're struggling at that point. Right. But, man, they when they score, they score, and they score a lot. Uh, so uh, that, that that's going to be a tough team to play. Kentucky's that way. Kentucky scores a million points. They give up a million points. Uh, there is high scoring in college basketball and in the SEC this year. It's going to be a lot of fun, absolutely. And, and Auburn joined the fray there with the 100-point vict- performance. Not 100-point victory. They did not win by 100, but the 100-point performance in Atlanta. And uh, so, yeah, SEC basketball is going to be a lot of fun this year for sure. And, uh, yeah, shout-out to Keith's Browns for winning too. They, I saw a stat actually while Keith was talking uh, that they've uh, had four different starting quarterbacks win a football game. For them yeah. this year, Deshaun Watson, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, obviously Joe Flacco here, and then PJ Walker too. So you you throw anyone in there, and the Browns are good enough to win because they've got uh, a good football team. I, you know, right now, man, NFL is up for grabs. I I I don't know who I would even say is a favorite right now because I mean the Eagles have looked very vulnerable. I mean they, you. Th- you would have thought the Eagles were going to be like that. That is yeah. the team that's about to run away. They have looked extremely vulnerable. Um, the Chiefs look extremely vulnerable. Uh, the 49ers, maybe they're the best right now, but I mean, I think they're the best. They've looked, but they've looked vulnerable. Well, they've lost games. That happens sure. in the NFL. But, but they only, they lost three straight games. Yeah. They've not lost since they've won five in a row. Again. Yeah, but I mean, they're uh, Dolphins. Dolphins seem like they're scorching hot right now. They haven't beaten anybody that's good though. Well, true. The AFC AFC is truly wide open. I, I think it's still San Francisco or or Philly, Philly maybe Dallas, but da- right. Dallas is good enough. They're just too dramatic. If, right. if their name was not the Cowboys, if you just slap a different team's name on there that's won a Super Bowl in the past thirty some years, you'd be perfectly fine with it. But right. it's more so. I'm just convinced that Dallas will find a way not instead of a find a way too. But they they've looked awesome, and yeah. they and they showed some stat that. For how many twenty point plus wins they have, every team in the last twenty something years has made the Super Bowl. Right. With how many twenty plus uh, point wins they've got, so it, it's just it's been a it's been a bizarre year in the NFL with some of this stuff. I mean, because every quarterback gets injured. Oh yeah, there's true. You want to boil it down to that? Yeah, injuries have happened, but I mean, even just you know, yeah, I mean, just some crazy stuff. I, the Lions. I mean, okay, so the Lions they look like they were doing great, and you know, it's like man. The Detroit Lions are back. They turn around and lose to the Bears. Yeah. Like, well, that's why we're what doing this five at five. The for heck? Yeah. I'm telling you, man. I just the the truly some of the truly great quarterbacks have been hurt. Yeah. Uh some of the middling ones have been kind of pushed up the resume a little bit. And I just I don't know. There's no there's no obviously now that Philly's Going apart, there's no 15 and two, 16 and one, right? Dominant team. Like I said, I still really think San Francisco's right there, 
And, again, maybe Philly figures out, maybe Dallas figures out. So I think it's about three teams in the NFC. AFC AFC's way more wide open with Kansas City struggling because I I could make a case for Miami. I could make a case for Kansas City. I could definitely make a case for Baltimore. Maybe Baltimore is my favorite right now, but again, they've still they need Lamar to do it in the postseason. He's been doing it in the regular season fine. Uh and then there's a bunch of seven win teams that could scare somebody like you know, if Jacksonville's healthy, because Lawrence has been banged up the last two weeks. Uh, you know, if Cincinnati had had Burrow, they've been getting great production out of out of Browning, but yeah. it's also Jake Browning, and you're going to have to prove it to me for more than three or four weeks. But he's been good for three or four weeks. Uh, and, and again, there's a lot of other teams right there that that with seven or so wins. All right, a uh, few minutes left in the show. Time to transition now uh, into something we do each and every Monday. It's time for best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No, no, no. Of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. Tom, go however you see fit. Uh, I mean, I'll start out with the best. I mean, I just got to go with uh, Auburn basketball. I mean, uh, that was, listen, that was a game I really thought Indiana was going to beat Auburn, and I didn't think it was going to be especially close. Uh, Auburn had not been playing a very good brand of basketball. They could not shoot the ball. Uh, just things were not going very well, and then – you know, you think about, you know, yeah, it's neutral floor. You, it wasn't like you had to go to Bloomington, but still, it's it's Indiana. I mean, it's the guys that wear the, the red and white striped warm-up pants, and it's the former team of Bobby Knight, and it's a basketball blue blood, and it's a big team with twin towers, and it's like they're just not – Auburn's just not going to be able to get it done, and Lord, Auburn just beat the brakes off of them. So, that any anytime, anytime that you can knock out a team – of granted Indiana is not the same Indiana of the days you know with the Bobby Knights and and some of those I mean they're still a very good basketball team but you know let's be honest they're not a national title contending Indiana team but it's still Indiana it's a basketball blue blood and anytime that you can uh put a hundo on them anywhere and just absolutely run them out of a gym that's the best oh yeah Oh yeah, no. I and look, Steve asked me to handicap the game. I said it'd be about a pick 'em. You know, Auburn was actually favored by seven or seven and a half. In that I game. saw that. So yeah, they, they they were expected to win. I, I guess I didn't have the pulse on it correctly. I I know you said you thought Indiana might beat them pretty easily. I I thought yeah. it'd be a fifty fifty game, but it was it did not become fifty fifty. I just game. I thought yeah. because of the way that Auburn had been playing the last couple of weeks, even in a win, there's like ugh, you know. Yeah. And then App State was just real bad, and then. Right. I just, I just, I had lost my confidence in them. I, you know, that's stupid me. Well, <laughs> rather be uh, win and wrong than right and loss. So, uh, good for Auburn to be able to bounce back there in that way, and again, make seemingly everything. Uh, my best of the weekend will be getting to go to that game uh, with Brooks and being able to to cover it. Uh, it's always great when we can cover something. It's always great to cover something in Auburn, but it's really great to be able to take it on the road a little bit and do something out of the outside the friendly confines of Auburn. And uh, it was a, a good basketball environment. I was pleased. I thought there were more fans there than there were last year for Auburn Memphis. Right. Now, granted, again, I think those uh, empty seats were replaced by Indiana fans, and <laughs> there were more Indiana fans. But I like when. You can't guarantee just putting something on a neutral floor that you're going to get fan interest. But there was real fan interest, and me and Brooks looked at the attendance. They and only announced eight thousand something. I don't, 
I don't think I felt like there was more people there in that. I'm just gonna be honest. That was the feeling in there. They did not uh, sell the two higher level baselines, but they did sell the the uh, sideline size of both, and even the upper deck, ninety percent full. Like right. you could not find more than about four or five empty seats no. on any row or any part of the of right. the deal. So again, I was surprised to see them say it was only fifty two percent full. <laughs> I know that they didn't sell part of it, but to me of what was available to sit in, it was about 90 or 95% full. Right. So maybe I just misestimated what how many seats are in those two upper baseline sections, but right. that was it. what they allowed to sell was full, was very full. So it was good yep. to see, and I was glad to be there. All right, worst of the weekend. Uh, all right, so worst of the weekend. Um, Actually, I know your worst. And I think I know your the hockey. Yeah, what you saw at the hockey. Yeah. My worst is a lot more silly. So I'm gonna go ahead and you go, go, go ahead and do first. Yeah, my worst was also at State Farm Arena. Okay, and it was the PA announcer because the PA announcer. I don't know how much of this picked up on TV, radio, anything. So I have no idea. Maybe some people can relate, but I know Matt Cohen of AL.com, who was also covering was tweeting about it. The PA announcer was very much a, I'm going to make this a show train uh, and not worry about what's actually going on. He would say say things like, Jalen Williams for the easy two. <laughs> and then he would say, easy buckets. And then he flat out confused and switched the numbers' names. He called Aiden Holloway, Kyle Ware, the, the Indiana kid who's the seven-foot center. He called him Ware for three it's like, nope, not at all. No, that's not, not going on there. And then he'd be just saying like, and one, number two, wouldn't call him by his name. And not one single time did he say Baker Mazzara. He said Chad Baker all day uh, long. Chad Baker. Check it in. Chad Baker. And then Chad Baker at the line. <laughs> just like, just un unbelievable things that right. should not be happening from a PA announcer. I don't know if that's the usual guy at State Farm Arena or not or who they had, but uh, that, that was terrible. That was, I, again, I'm not trying to be crotchety, but that was just not not it. Not yeah. it for that game. At least get the names right. If you're going to have some flair, not great. So yeah. there's my worst. Yeah. Uh, so my worst is going to go to uh, uh, going to the Columbus River Dragons game uh, on Saturday. It was very awesome to be able to go to a River Dragons game. Uh, I got seats on the glass, and so, I mean, we're pounding on the glass. Columbus is up. They're 8-1, you know, third period. You know, it's great. Uh, unfortunately, witnessed uh, for the first time, I, I am 47 years old. I have been attending sporting events since I was a tiny kid. Uh, for the first time ever, I was at a sporting event where uh, the game had to be postponed uh, before it ended due to an injury. A very, very scary, scary situation. Um, so in the third period, uh, uh, Nathan Balkwill for uh, Columbus was checked hard into the glass and uh, went down onto the glass. And it, the puck was blown dead, and there was kind of a scuffle going on. But through all of it, you could look and you could see that Nathan Balkwell was uh, laying on the ice motionless. And then he began to have a seizure. Oh, no. And um, uh, about that time, you know, Everybody noticed what was happening, and the whole arena just went dead silent. The players were, like, frantically calling for medical assistance. You had players frantically throwing uh, gloves and equipment off and, and, like, skating as fast as they could towards one of the uh, the exits where the Zamboni comes in and out, but that's where the ambulance was mm -hmm. placed. 
And so those guys are like racing over there to try to get the attention of the paramedics. You had players uh, moving away from him. But, I mean, it, it was a very chaotic scene, um, but then just dead quiet in the arena. And, I mean, you could hear all the stuff that there was going on on the ice. But, um, you know, the medical staff got there. The, the play, You had groups of players huddled up in prayer over here, and you had other guys walk, uh, skating around crying, um, crying all in the in the stands. Uh, Michelle was with me. She was crying. There was a little – 10 year old girl that was sitting next to me with a family she was crying um it was a uh, it, it reminded me of the damar hamlin scene uh when he went into cardiac arrest i never saw anything like that now all the players then joined up once the stretcher got out um all the players formed a huge wall around that which that concerned me because i didn't know exactly what, what are they walling off that they don't want the fans to see uh, but they were able to get him on a stretcher and go out. But, I mean, just, you could tell the players were just they, – they were emotionally distraught over what they had just witnessed right there, both sides. Uh, it, it was bad. It was, it was very, very scary. And uh, they postponed the game. Um, gave the win to Columbus. They were up 8-1 to one at the time, so they postponed it. Now, on the brighter side of that, that was scary, but Columbus came out and uh, – said that uh, this was from the River Dragons uh, yeah, yesterday. So that, that this event happened Saturday. So yesterday, uh, after undergoing further testing, Nathan Balkwell has a broken nose and several facial lacerations, but no other medical issues. Uh, he has been discharged from the hospital. Uh, and we thank you for your support of Nathan, his family, and the team. So Good. fortunately, um, you know, it, it sounds like, I think the impact of him into the glass knocked him unconscious, and then when he hit the ground, I think his head probably hit the ice. Mm-hmm. Now, the broken nose and all, I don't know if that's from the hitting to the glass or if his head hit the ice. You know, I don't know, but, I mean, he was actively seizing on the ice. And, uh, man, just a scary, scary situation. And then, you know, to postpone the game, everybody's walking out, and you have no idea what's going on. And, I mean, it was somber. I mean, just so somber people walking out of that arena. Very, very scary situation to be a part of and to witness. But uh, I'm very, very happy for uh, for the Columbus River Dragons family and everybody that uh, Nathan does sound like he's going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that is truly a worse, but maybe a silver lining best there at the end yeah. uh, for a recovery. There. Just worse to yeah. sit there and yeah. witness something like You see things like that on TV. And yeah. like I said, at 47 years old, and I've been going to games for as long as I can remember, and I've, I've never seen that. I've never been a part of that to where everything just stops and everything just goes dead silent and it is a major medical situation going on with a player that looks like potentially the worst possible scenario you can imagine is what that felt like. Uh, But fortunately it was not that. It was just a very scary moment to to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And that's about do it for the show today. Hate to – end on something like that but that's the nature of best and worst sometimes but again again good that he is going to make a recovery real quickly the sports call nightly tv guide presented by white claw hard seltzer tonight you've got nightmare before christmas six o'clock on disney transformers last night seven o'clock on fx the wizard of oz seven o'clock on tnt elf 750 on amc and you've got a pair of monday night football games tonight this is where you have the two tv setup going or maybe if you only have the one but one game's not doing great, so you took out of the closer one. You got the Green Bay Packers at the New York Giants, 7:15 on ABC, and the Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins, 7:15 on ESPN. And that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide, 
presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for the show today. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here, sir. We will see you again tomorrow. Absolutely. I'll be here. And again, that does it for the show. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.